Welcome to the podcast is dedicated to making you a faster cyclist. The Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. We're back in the studio finally this week. We have our head coach, Chad Timmerman, with us. Hi, everybody. Our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. And we are going to answer more of the cycling and triathlon related questions that you submitted at trainerroad.com slash podcast. Please keep doing so. We have a ton of them that always come in every week, and that is awesome. We love it. We read through them, and then we select a, a list of them to cover here. Before we get into some things, you can also join us on YouTube, and you should every week. It's usually Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, unless we're on an you know, abnormal schedule like we were last week. I need to hijack the podcast. Okay. I have a surprise. Okay. Keegan gave me this, Chad. This okay. is based on another one. It is goo energy gel hop flavored oh, seriously? gel. Yes, nice. seriously, dude. Mm, that's for me. There you go. Yeah, that's for right. you. From Keegan, <laughs> From Keegan. Thanks, to Keegan. you. I thought nice. that you might... Like nice. that flavor. Very, I think it's a good idea because I, I haven't tasted one yet, but uh, rather than just sweet all the time, it's probably still going to be sweet. But yeah, it's a different flavor yeah. profile, right? Like Jeff's looking nice for the uh, ABV. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's juice, he says. <laughs> it's definitely juice. <laughs> cool. Nice. Okay, continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, perfect. So you can join us on YouTube and you can see this, this Hoppy Trails, I believe it's called. Yeah, Goo Hoppy Trails guy nice. that uh, that we have. And join us on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and you totally should. We have a video that comes out every week. And in that same vein, you should subscribe to our blog because we have an article that either Megan or Jesse are constantly writing every week, every day as well. So that means that you constantly have information that's making you faster. And then a lot of people also ask what's the best thing that they can do to help our podcast. And honestly, if you share this podcast with other people, that's awesome. That's huge. Uh, so if you're listening right now, share it with another cyclist. Um, maybe be careful with that. Cause sometimes it could be like a, a passive aggressive thing. Like what if we talk about, for example, cycle triathletes becoming cyclists and you know, a triathlete mm. you might not want to share that and like, you know, subtly pass some sort of dig to them. So, but it's just the same. <laughs> triathletes yeah, don't sure, care. Sure. It's all the roadies. Pick that anything care. else. If you're talking about some, if we talk about, you know, some sort of technical thing and we talk about how to do that, you know, but just the same, share it with somebody. That's a great way to help. Nate, you're going to be going to Sydney soon. Sydney. We should cover uh, some stuff with Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a group ride scheduled. I think there's like 47 people so far on it. It's in Strava. We'll put it in the show notes for this on the forum. Mm -hmm. An episode. Yeah, this will be episode 248. 248. Um, sad thing is Jack Dooley, who was organizing it, he got a he had a high-speed crash where he oh. double-flatted. He doesn't remember it. He wasn't on tubeless, but his tires were okay, but his tubes were like just destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um so he got some bolts in his in his jaw and oh. stuff and oh. got a care flighted out. Anyway, so we just wanted to say, Jack, hope you're doing better. And also, uh, he's going to be there and still, like, support us, which is cool. So if you get a flat, you can just jump in with him. And uh, we're going to go eat lunch at the Woolrich Pier Hotel afterwards. Nice. Have a couple Aussie beers. Nice. There yeah. you go. It's very yeah. Aussie. That's going to be on Saturday, the something. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. March, um, what is it, 7th? Yeah, I'm looking on Strava right now, and it looks like it's going to be March 8th. March 8th, it's Sunday, not Sunday. Saturday. Yep, Sunday, oh. March 8th. Saturday in America. <laughs> You're going to meet up at, at Burley Road Shops. It sounds like in Terry Hills. So, uh, yeah, it'll be I don't fun. know any of these words, but. That's what at least I'm reading, so cool. hopefully it's correct. And please don't drop me so much, because I am going to be slightly hungover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, let's get into the content too. Obviously, since our last episode that we had here in the, in the studio here, we've had a number of different podcasts. We had the one that we just recently published was how to race a dominant team with cliff bar racing. And a lot of what brought this up is that we get a lot of messages from people that basically ask more or less like, 
you know, uh, we have this team in our local area and I mm -hmm. don't know how to beat them and it makes racing not fun. And that's really common because if it's like some sort of localized region, chances are you probably don't have a bunch of teams or you might have one dominant team. That's really common. And then we were at Valley of the Sun and we got to watch, you know, Legion do their thing. And we all know, you know, Legion of Los Angeles with Justin and Corey Williams and Corey Williams and everything else. In terms of the USA crit scene, they are doing a very good job at being a dominant team with like the traditional sprint train tactic that they employ toward the end. They have a ton of horsepower and they're savvy racers and then they have really good sprinters. So they're really hard to beat. So we talked about different ways that you can try to combat that. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I, I recommend you do. We did it with Zach Allison. Oh man, I haven't listened to that. Is there a video too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, it's shoot. awesome. Zach Allison, uh, Connor or Yes. No, Kevin Muller V. It's hard to get the twins, right? Uh, so Kevin Muller V and Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis was also on, on Hincap ED for a long time. And, 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 you know, we're talking like pro continental level guys and then Pete Morris as well. So it's interesting because Kevin is like the guy that is traditionally gotten sent off all the time in these races. Cause he's very mm. good at breakaways that fits his fitness profile. And he's very good at timing everything. So he can speak really well of that. Zach Allison is a good sprinter, but he's also just good at a ton of different things. He's second overall at USA Crits. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And Zach, you know, has is, is tried to latch on to the Legion train. He's tried to get interject in the middle of that train. He's tried to do a bunch of different things. So we got to talk a lot about that, but then not also, you know, just Legion, but UHC, because they were a really dominant force for a long time too. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good listen. And I feel like we kept it really productive and focused and moved through things quickly. So you should Unlike check this out. one. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I'm here. <laughs> so I think it's a great one. Like, and that you was see that look on YouTube or on <laughs> people. Chad just gave me a look like, yeah, that you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was at their team camp, which is awesome. Valley of the sun though. We net, we weren't able to do the third podcast, Nate, after the criterion, because you took off, uh, you had a flight to catch. And we yeah, already so, covered the fact that you weren't going to do it, but you had a flight to catch and then Keegan and Ryan and I part. I said ways. that on the podcast, right? You did. Okay, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but we didn't get to talk about it. And I just wanted to wrap up a few things that I, at least I feel like I learned And Nate, feel free to chime How'd in once that you did. Oh yeah. I got sixth in the crit, cool. which you can see that now. Thanks to producer Tucker, um, got up. Uh, well, actually you won't be able to see it. So I probably just spoiled some things for y'all, but, uh, tomorrow you'll probably be able to see that video. Um, or I should say the second video, we took that crit. I sat down with the cliff bar boys and then we basically analyzed the whole thing, but we're breaking it up into different videos because there were different things that happened. Yeah. Say that on YouTube, uh, or in the forum about, uh, if you like that, if we break a one race into like different kind of learnings, mm -hmm. because sometimes they're, they go 25 minutes and we still cut stuff from it. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, God, oh, no one wants to watch a 25 minute race yeah. analysis video. Yeah, we still have the full races up. So that's kind of like the long form thing, but we're, we're cutting this one up into some different ones. So like at first we talk about how to like find lines and move up through the field, but do so efficiently in the first part of a race. Cause we didn't have time to recon the course and we weren't allowed to, in this case on the crit, you just got to go on at first lap. So, uh, we talk about that. Then we're going to talk about, we'll have a video tomorrow. That's going to be coming out about uh, a crash that I was nearly involved in. I was definitely part of the, the chaos. And then also some really good tips from them on how to take free laps from the cliff bar guys. And then after that, we'll look at the sprint finish, but I ended up sixth. Uh, I, I, everything was right. Like you would have won. Yeah. Well, yes. Right. And there, <laughs> there weren't there, those other five guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I think like if you're looking at Vegas odds, everything was like looking great. And I had my chips on that stack and everything was good. But then 
the the whole game flipped and I didn't I wasn't ready to pull an audible and I wasn't thinking about that. I mm. wasn't thinking like what if everything does go the other way. You made mistakes. <laughs> yeah, mistakes exactly. Were made. So it it's it's like it, I I I I hammer myself for this because so many times I go into races and I just think of like one outcome, right? But I have to think of multiple outcomes and be ready to shift if I need to. Got to be flexible. Yeah, exactly. So, and this is an example of me making that because I feel like I was in the perfect position to be able to do something and I just didn't. So yeah, uh, bad move on my end, but just the same good learning for all of us. Some learnings that I had from this though, first of all, spare wheels. I, I don't I know. I don't have any spare wheels for my Venge. I wish I would have brought them if I had them for sure, because you do. You just don't want to use them. No, I don't even have them. I think you have those ones from the cross bike that you could use. Oh yeah. I guess I could use those, huh? That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good, good point. I guess I could bring those over, but I didn't have any with me. And then I ended up changing out and taping like four tubeless wheels, basically the night before the road race because of a slowly leaking tire because of some tape issues. Why four wheels? <clears throat> because I had to take them off my TT bike and take those tires off. And then I had to go and retape. So I guess I only taped two wheels, but <clears throat> had to tape the Venge wheels, but take tires oh, off. Oh, both of wheels. Yeah. Oh, ugh. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't match. It was a, it was a mess. So How about this, you knew those were leaking before we went to Phoenix. The day before I found oh, yeah. out they were freshly installed, but there was a slow leak. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah. Well, freshly installed. I mean, if you would, if, if you wouldn't probably riding these for three weeks. No, nah, I mean, yeah, same wheels and the leak has been persistent and, but inconsistent, if that makes sense. Like sometimes it shows itself, sometimes it doesn't. And I think I've narrowed it down to a small burr that's inside. There's a, like on Envy wheels, they have their valve stem on one side, then they have like a counterweight. That's kind of like a cutout section of the rim. Mm -hmm. And I think like a little bit heavier section, I think that's on the opposite side of the wheel. And then that little casting area where they put it in, I think there's a little burr and that cuts the tape. And then it ends up just mm. like very slowly leaking and it never really wants to seal through the tape there. You're going to file it down. So yeah, I'm going to file it down. Um, that's at least what I think I figured out there at value this time. But anyways, stepping back, the last thing I would advise somebody in the middle of a stage race is to have to go through the stress of changing out wheels and everything else the night right. before. Right. I remember I was sitting on the couch like, Oh, that was stressed <laughs> yeah. for you. Yes. It's sure. a bad, it's a bad thing. So once again, make sure everything is squared out, uh, squared away. Um, I also having different kit for each race day. It's a luxury if you don't have enough team kits, I, I understand that. So hopefully you can have like a washing machine, but I had zero gear stress in terms of like what to grab every day to go to the race in my room. I just had everything laid out and it was really nice. That was like a helpful thing. We read the, um, another tip is to make sure that you read the technical guide and race communiques that come out every day during the stage race. And when we read it, it said that you needed number plaques basically. So we panicked because he didn't have number plaques, but then we found some on Amazon and we'll all we'll put a link into the forum thread on this because we found some really cheap universal ones on Amazon that were awesome. They worked really well. Race everybody organizers, please let us use number plates yes. for like seasons of racing for anything rather mm. than numbers on our back. Yes. Um, and then just set up your camera to record and do it like at a high angle. And I bet you'll get all yeah. the numbers. And if not, you just go back a lap and you'll get that person. Yeah. Um, iPhones can do 120 frames a second in slow-mo. Like you can slow it down and catch everything. It's so like pinning or gluing is that pain. Sucks. Everyone. Yeah. You have like a $350 skin. Downsides to both too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. what's the downside to a number plate? Oh, no, uh, no, no. I'm talking about oh, yeah. gluing versus gluing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Number plates, yeah. easy. Yeah. And yeah. you look pro. You look like you're in the Tour de France. Yeah, for sure. Why and would we not want that? It attaches with an O-ring. So we had round seat posts, like amongst Keegan, Ryan, you and I. We had round seat posts, mm. cam-tailed seat posts, arrow seat posts. 
And these O-rings worked great for all of them because mm-hmm. that's just like a Garmin, like old school Garmin mount, how they would like O-ring on with yeah. like a little thing. Same process. Yeah, it's worth describing them too. I mean, they hang off your seat post, so they are aero. We're not talking about a, like a mountain bike race yep. faceplate. Yeah. We had ours, uh, we, I had mine down below just because the camera. I uh-huh. couldn't have it up, or else I would have it up high. Yeah. And then uh, we, I also, so we were supposed to put a, like they said, race plates or number yeah. plates are required, but then they gave us like these really big, like, kinds of sheets of paper with glue on them where you'd fold it over yeah. and then you just watching everyone and just flap it yeah. around and stuff. Um, I went to the race official and said, Hey, can I use this? And so if they give you one number, make sure you ask, if you use the other number. Yeah. And he said, as long as we can see it, you can use it. And I argue too, you can see it much better because the flappy ones, yes. there's just like, there's like a fold and, and it's like the deform. number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the flaps and you can't really see what's going on. Yeah. So, um, I think triathlons too, uh, actually triathlons sometimes they make you put it on your bike, but sometimes they'll just let you, uh, put it on like your, uh, it's weird. Sometimes it's actually an Ironman belt thing. Yeah. That's, it depends on the ones. Um, mm-hmm. but I think a number plate would be really cool for triathlons too. Yeah. These things are slick and I wish that like local race organizers and everything else would do this. I think that they're on Amazon. They're like 13 bucks. Uh, so they're pretty cheap. Some of them are like 10 bucks. And if everybody just basically gave you like a $10 deposit at the beginning of the year, and then when they give it back, then you could get the $10 back or however you want to do it. There are plenty of ways like to, to do it where I think just do it a fee for the, you want to be in the series? Yeah. Number fee. Series fee. And I think that if you asked everybody, would you pay $10 to have this thing and then avoid pinning or gluing on your Jersey every time? I bet everybody would be all for it. And you have it for years. (laughs) All you need to do is to have the, um, there's like little sticky numbers. Yeah. And you can get those at like any hardware store, like in the United States, like home Depot, you can just get little numbers that are like that and just stick them on. Pinning numbers is still my number one race day form of stress. That's why you glue, dude. Because you have to find someone to do yours and then you have to do theirs and you can get it wrong. I mean, you make it effectively saddling them with a, a wind penalty. I mean, it's, it's actually why it's actually why Chad doesn't race anymore. You you mess up. (laughs) It's the reason. (laughs) reason. I always feel bad too, because people are like, they got their own thing going and pinning can take 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. 15 yes. minutes. No, it's again, that's a warm up. It's my least favorite aspect of pre-race. So, want to go to the next thing in here? Cause we should just all glue. Yeah. <laughs> so I thank you, Nate, first of all, because I kept asking <laughs> you to pin my number every day and you did. So thank you for doing that. I have a new strategy. I think everyone knows this, but I don't pin a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some bad pin jobs before where you just keep pinning it and you're like, wait, let me do this one. Wait, let me do this one. Let me do this one. A lot of the time we go around in a circle, yeah. like start in a corner and sure. work our way around. Yeah. So. I started in, you know, it's usually like a rectangle. I started in one corner um, and then I go to the opposite corner in that rectangle and make that super tight mm-hmm. and then do the other two corners and then do the front edge and then do the back edge. Yeah. Cool. And that worked. I think everyone probably knows to do it that way, but it's the opposite corners and making that tight as the person is like in mm-hmm. the bike position, yep. which is key. If you, in fact, I'll, I'll don't go around in circle. If you, if you follow me on Instagram, Lee Jonathan underscore or Nate and Pearson 99, you could have seen that amazing pin job. It's quite <laughs> impressive. So it, but it, it's a good way to get it to lay flat. Also one quick pro tip with this, but get into the position that you'll be riding in when you pin the number. Yeah. And if you don't have somebody to help you, I bring a pillow or a backpack, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I can just stretch it over my back or a car seat as yep. well. Steering yeah. wheel, yeah. plenty of different things like that. You just want to get it stretched. It's always going to be meh, kind of a I've guess. I've done that where it's right. stretched and then I put it on and all the pins pop. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. that's, not, yeah. good. that's no, not good at not all. Not good at all. <laughs> it hurts. Yes. And then you got to do it again. And then also this is going to be hard to visualize here, but if you're on YouTube, you go 
down through the number and through your jersey, and then you go back up through your number and your jersey. You don't use the holes. Yes, don't there use the holes. There should be no never use the holes. And then each pin That's... should make two holes, right? It should go down through the number, then back up through the yeah. number. Use the holes if one. you have a, a constant tailwind. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah get a little bit more help there so that's one thing on the nutrition part no we didn't talk about gluing oh yeah forgive me <clears throat> gluing part so 3m 77 spray yeah i'm laughing because i'm thinking of so ryan and keegan had never glued numbers before and we gave them the adhesive and I don't know what they did for the TT, but then for the crit and for the road race, but then for the crit, they came over. They're like, so how do we do this? We have no clue. And Keegan's and Ryan's kits were like stuck together. They too much and, glue. <laughs> like numbers was peeling, they were peeling off. They just like loaded on the glue until it was like bulking up oh. on the number. Oh yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah, it's one layer of 3M77. When you do it, you get one layer. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I don't like it to tack up. I like to put it directly on because I've had a number like flat before and that's no fun. Mm -hmm. You get someone else in the position to put it on, kind of start in the middle and then push your hands out so you don't get wrinkles. Mm -hmm kind of rub it in there and then stay there for about 30 seconds and you're good to go. So it takes the other person, I don't know. No time. Eight Super seconds. Short. Yeah. 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 Um, I swear you guys always say there's stuff on my kits from it, but I don't know. Maybe you can you get it out it. if you want with spray and wash or something like that. Yeah. If you want to, I don't, I don't hit it with spray and wash. I don't really care. You must yeah. have found exactly the right balance because I always lose some of the color when I peel it off color of the Jersey uh -huh. and I have residue. So Maybe it's the brand too. Some, could yeah, be, I be. feel like I haven't noticed it on the no pins ones that much. Um, yeah, yeah. I, but I have noticed on some kits when you pull it off, it just pulls off a lot of the sublimation ink, like mm -hmm. it pulls it off. And so, yeah, I mean, it, both of them can ruin your kit. That's the pain of it all. But yeah. the nice thing is, man, gluing is fast and easy and you don't poke anybody. And, it's and just, you don't have any uh, arrow penalty as long. I mean, maybe if there's a wrinkle in it, but yeah. it's a lot. It's always going to be, I think, better than pinning. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, it is nice to have. On the nutrition Oh, we should say this because people say it. There yeah. are like no pins pockets and other things pockets that will be built in. Yes. That you can put stuff in. Just, yeah. But I know you, someone will message us and say, why didn't you mention that? But also you have to check with your race organizer because sometimes they're like, I don't care where your pocket is. I can't well, yeah. see it or it's not in the indicated You can position. get upper pockets, but then if you get an upper pocket, it's like... Uh, you don't know which side it's going to be on. Yeah. It's, it's always switches. You got to have like right? a kit for every yeah. race. <laughs> they're also like those pockets are hot. The no pins ones. Cause they're plastic. If it's a cool day, it's fine. And it's faster. If you have a pocket supposedly on the, on the rear yeah. and we use it, I use it in my, all my crits, but yeah. I've also had it hundred degrees and had that pocket it's and like you can look behind me so and you can see the sweat in the pocket. Yes. Uh, so just be careful on that. And then some brands have a mesh. Yep. Um, I think mesh would be mesh would be good better because yeah. otherwise that that clear plastic feels just like a magnifying a glass on your lower back. Sure. Yeah. Really hot. Uh, okay. On the nutrition side of things with stage races, we've covered this plenty of times, um, <clears throat> but this is the hardest part of stage races for me. Just eating. And I know Nate, it's not hard for you, but it, man, it's just hard to keep eating. Like you have to eat so much. I mean, nutrition kind of owns you. Yeah. yeah. Keegan and, and Ryan out ate me. They did. So that, <laughs> so he's like 150 and 170 pound dude. We uh -huh. came back from the road race. I was on the couch, probably on Instagram. Takes way too much time. Uh, and they were both eating like before I did like cereal and they had like mm -hmm. two bowls before I even got off the couch yeah. and then they made more food and then they made more food. And then pancakes. It's not surprising yeah. when you consider the output that they're responsible, that they maintain over long races. I mean, they're working at a very high percent. I mean, percentage, nothing. Don't even look at the percentage. Just look at how much the power work. they're generating, how much work they have to do. Yep. So it makes sense that they're going to eat a ton. That's yeah. another thing to say. Um, 
so you know ryan's 400 watt ftp and keegan yeah. his power to weight was at that time i think it was like five three or something on the podcast yeah but this is um everyone should know this is off season so when yeah. it's in season he didn't mention that this is how yeah, like we always give what's yeah. my peak like what's the yeah. lowest weight i've seen yeah. this year what's yeah. the highest ftp i've seen this year let yeah. me put those numbers together when he's peaking winning like nationals yeah. uh six plus watts per kilo yeah, yeah. which is I think Crazy. it was six two last year. I think. Yeah. So someone else messaged me about saying, because um, we talked about all the four hundred watt people. There's like a four hundred watt FTB person in Cat Four at yeah. Valley Sun. Yes. Um, <laughs> that like, yeah, some of these are big people, but some of them are not, like Ryan and, and, and Keegan and stuff, and they're in P one two racing. Um, about you know, I don't want to demoralize everyone, but it's just the fact, like the. Valley of Sun brings people in from like all over the country. Yeah. And it's just some of the best people in the U.S. Yeah. Are that strong they're really strong and it's just cream of the crop so we won't speak. all we can't all be the best in the u.s nope it's the way Believe it is or not <laughs> it's not how it works but <laughs> i think what it is yeah. is you just take the mentality this is pretty much everything in life don't compare yourself to everybody else compare yourself to yourself mm -hmm. and can you improve yourself what can i do today and tomorrow to mm -hmm. do things as you're I'm reading a new book about being distracted and I know that's ironic because I distract you guys a lot. But <laughs> what, what book, by the way? Indistractable. Yeah. But the idea when I'm doing something, um, and I, it's something I'm not, maybe it's not from that book, but anyways, I'll, I'll say what I'm going to say anyways. Um, <laughs> when you're doing something, you're like, is this make me, does this make me more like the person that I want to be? Mm. So if I'm flipping through something meaningless like Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Like like I'm mm -hmm. way deep. Mm -hmm. I'm like, does this does this go with my life goals and the person I want to be? Right. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Does going to sleep right now? Yeah, that would make me better. I'm a pro CEO yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead sure, of pro right? mountain biker, yeah. and then uh, a better cyclist if I go to sleep, and probably a better husband and father, right? Yeah. Then like flipping through that, and if you're always thinking about that, um, yeah, it helps. it's a so good way to manage. Just it. how can you? Because it's yeah. easy to get overwhelmed when you go to these races and compare yourself to everybody else. Everything in life, yeah. right? Especially, so again, Instagram. Everyone looks better. Sure. That's, that's, right. that's what bike racing is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a comparison contest. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's hard so to manage travel. that. Yeah. And, or and, gravel. Yeah, so not all bike racing, yeah. but most. Can we jump back really quick just to something on nutrition that I want to touch on? Like, you, you have to be committed to fueling before fueling during and fueling after mm -hmm. and not throwing something out just because of how you feel like if you feel full like like during the race for example in the road race i stuck to my nutrition plan of 100 grams an hour i knew that my stomach could handle that and i did that because i knew that i had a race the next day i didn't do it because i was like man i feel like i really need energy in fact and i never felt like that during the whole race the race was not hard no like right so i think it was like 260 normalized for three and a half hours so like hard enough right but but certainly was i never once felt like man i need energy and i'm running out of fuel mm -hmm. but i knew that i'm i've got a crit tomorrow even though a crit isn't a big thing if i make sure that i'm loaded up coming into it my performance will be better that's, i think that's what makes it so difficult to eat over the course of these is you're not really obeying hunger signals or satiety mm -hmm. signals you're just eating because you have to so hungry or not keep eating yeah so it's, it's a drag it's, it's yeah it is a drag for me um, i know a lot of people don't find that to be a drag for sure but uh yeah it's it's it's, it's hard but I, if you commit to it it makes everything so much easier i saw a video of i think it was latin root Lantern Rouge. Rouge video on YouTube where it showed Egan Bernal in the last K yeah. down in a gel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure that was in a stage race yeah. because he's probably thinking about the next stage and he yeah. still won that stage. But yeah. who of us think in the last K, they're like, I'm going to down a gel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, right. He was much fitter than 
everyone there. That's why, but, he's, that's why yeah. he's very good. But it, maybe it's combined, sure. right? He yeah. Knew, like, I got to be fast for many days. And then mm-hmm. the, I guess one last thing to share is we um, actually hired a, a, a masseuse to be there, a masseur, I guess you would say. Uh, I'm not sure if I that's gender massage specific. Therapist. Massage therapist is much better. Uh, I mean, you say masseur. Masseur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, white glove service, Come right? Um, no, but this uh, uh, massage therapist and Graham from, I think it was Richard. Recharge Massage Tucson. He was insanely fast. Used to be really fast. He was a pro mountain biker. He had a he had a low fourteen five k time, which is just insane. Like uh, that's so fast. So, um, but that was probably the first time I've actually had massage from like a I should say like a a professional athlete, previous professional athlete. I think the the real sports level where sometimes you get people who say they're sports massage, but yes, they don't probably work on athletes usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least in my, what I've gone and been with. So I had a big fear beforehand. I was like worried that I was like, eh, this might like make performance worse. Cause you hear about a lot of people that say like, once they get a massage, then, yeah. you know, it's worse. Too, di- too much damage. Yeah, you don't yeah. want a, an aggressive massage. Yeah. And I feel like he struck the perfect balance <laughs> where it wasn't like, I never, like there were points where, yeah, definitely hurt, but it wasn't like he was just, you know, really working some, a certain zone, you know, tirelessly. This is pro-life Chad. So, uh, we, <laughs> in nice. the middle of our living room, there was the massage table. Yeah. And dude's just going down to their underwear. Jonathan was just getting, not even a towel, just <laughs> in his underwear. I got the TV between me and Jonathan. And I'm like he was not at watching the TV. Instagram. It's very pro. Instead. So yeah. Real pro, you wouldn't be wearing underwear. Yeah, I, I was like, let me get a picture of this. And I'm like, cover yourself. He's like, I don't care. I'm like, no, you need to cover yourself. <laughs> yeah, we care. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, there was no yeah. music or anything like that. Yeah. And talked a lot about, uh, what's that called? Motocross? Yeah. 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 We were watching Super Mario. You know, he could have left the room, right? (laughs) Nate didn't want to leave the room. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) All right. So, um, with that, a couple, uh, just a couple of things we're going to get into some questions. (laughs) Um, So, uh, we've had some articles that were written. Megan recently wrote one on how to add TSS to your training. Super common question that we get through the podcast. So, if you've ever asked something like that, for example, like, uh, I feel like I can add a little more, or I am adding a little more with commuting, or I'm adding a little more with doing morning rides, whatever it may be, nice. extending intervals, <clears throat> plenty of stuff like that, warmups and cooldowns. She added an article that kind of walks you through the steps on that. We also broke down how XC pros ride rock gardens because Keegan and Ryan told Nate or an- analyzed Nate's race and basically said, uh, this is how we would go through technical sections. So if you've ever gone through a section and you've dabbed and you've been frustrated at yourself, which every person listening to this, I'm sure has been in that situation. We talk about the things you can do to better your chances to make that not happen. Basically cool. um, when you're coming into those technical sections, then, uh, had a, another one on how to get a lead out win with just one teammate, which is good. And how to use music to get faster, which uh, awesome stuff there. So, but, before we go any further, we also have an article that's just published last night on how to train for 2020 USAC Roadmaster National Championships, Masters mm-hmm. National Championships in Cedar City, Utah this year. And we looked into the courses a little bit more. And yeah, Chad, I'm curious. They've been teasing me with this all morning. Yes. Uh, I, we discovered some things uh, that are pretty <clears throat> important for this one, for sure. So first of all, the TT looks like, if you look on the elevation profile, it yeah. looks flat. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like this happens where, um, maybe the roads aren't plotted properly with elevation on the maps. And as a result, what happens is like, you get a GPS track that just looks pretty benign, but this course, like it goes slowly, slightly downhill, probably the sort of downhill that you won't notice it a whole lot, but mm-hmm. it's the sort of downhill that'll make you feel like I must be on an incredible day. Yeah. Cause I'm going 32 sure. at whatever wattage and I feel fine. 
but then it kind of climbs back up through a canyon. Mm -hmm. It's not as straightforward as we thought. And we, we looked at Google Street View on this because that's kind of like a good way to get some perspective. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do Masters National Championships, once you hit that canyon, you will have some climbing to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then you turn around and then you've got basically that short little climbing will be a bit of a downhill, but then you've got a long drag all the way. I up. like that because you get to get an arrow. Yeah, you will. Right. In some yeah, spots. You don't, you don't have to. You'd be surprised what, what you can ride in arrow as long as you can keep your speed up. Sure. Yeah. I'm going 10. I want to be... I'm sitting up. Well, yeah. I mean, if you are going that yeah. slow for sure, but the, the course at, um, Cascade classic way back was a, it was basically an uphill course, turn around, bomb downhill and I crushed the uphill. So it's, yeah, <clears> it's it, it doesn't deter me. Not at all. Yeah. Not unless it's a severe climb. And I don't think it's that severe. I think that it's the sort of thing that you'll probably be maintaining somewhere around 13 to 15. If no, you're kind of like you know, that carrying some Actually, speed it's a power climb. <clears throat> so, so yeah, anyways, but it's not, it, it kind of looks flat. You can, when you look at the profile, you're like, oh, this basically just looks like a gentle yeah. out and back, but there's more to it. Uh, the criterium is pretty straightforward, but then the road race, we looked at this, it's basically like a, a square with a pigtail. The pigtail is the start. And then once you get to your loop, you do your laps yeah, and then you come that. back that in the loop section in that square, it's 12.5 miles, 4.5 of which as of now are dirt roads. Oh. And like where there's gravel, but then there's one where it's just like farmer's gates are closed and then it looks like a farmer's road. So huh. they may be paving this in between. They may have already <clears throat> paved it. Who knows? You're looking at Google uh, street view. Yep. Google street view. So it's on Google maps. Like part of the road isn't even plotted, right? Where is this at? This Cedar, Cedar, Cedar city, city, Utah. Maybe if someone knows they could put it in the forum or on YouTube right now yeah. yep. and then we can post back. I think respond. it was like 3,700 South or something. That seems weird road. that they would put a gravel section right? in and it Especially wouldn't be all over the internet already a long oh, yeah. one on a looped course that, yeah that does yeah seem, that doesn't seem right yeah. if it does the and minus that farmer's road section it totally looks like the sort of gravel you can ride on a road bike no issue <laughs> so it's like that mountain west gravel where it's just like you know really hard packed dirt road so it'd be fine there but the climb is actually uh, gonna be it's like a th there's a climb every lap mm -hmm. and it kind of kicks steep at the bottom yeah. and then it's just it's just a gentle drag and it's the sort of thing where if you blow yourself up on that short little steep part, yeah. you're really going to hemorrhage time on the one to 2% after that. Sure. Right. So, uh, I know that we're, we're mentioning this cause tons of you are, uh, that are listening to this podcast are probably looking at or interested in this event. Well, and when there's so, so Chad, have they listed the order of the events? Crit's always first, I think. I mean, uh, uh, the time trial. Yeah. They, it's not, I'm not always, sure. Oh, really? not always, yeah. I'm not sure if it's been listed. Yeah. That's okay. a good question. So Chad, you're going. Yeah, for the time trial, absolutely. And then the criterium and road race are going to depend on where they fall in relation to the time trial. If it goes TT, road, crit, we do all three? I'm there and I'm fit. Ideally, I'm going to do all three, especially if the time trial is first. There's two oh, caveats, exciting. right? This is if, cool, I'm, if I'm there. <laughs> well, no, 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 I'm saying <laughs> if I'm fit. <laughs> no, 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 I will be there. And yeah. since I'm there, how, how's that? Since I'm there, yeah, I'm going to do all three. Cool. Yeah. This uh, is exciting. I, I, I'm stoked. And I wanted to be there because it'd be fun to just be your, your yeah, swanny no, of sorts. There's right? no 30 just to 34 bracket. Uh, th no, no, there isn't. But then also that's the same <coughs> weekend as Downeyville. And Yeti uh, wants right. to race Downeyville, me. So, yeah. I will be there too. The time trial, like looking, I probably have to do 420 watts to like do well at nationals. Mm -hmm. And that's not happening. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, so uh, not get last in the time trial would be awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, if the crit is flat, I probably won't. It does have a rise in it. So it has okay. like a little climb every lap, and then it comes into like not a technical turn, but like the only tight area. It's kind of like a 180 of sorts. I'll probably skip the road race and then do the crit. 
because I think it'll be a better crit video. The road race I'll just get dropped in. Um, I think it's the, the sort of so fit. the climb for that race isn't the sort that like if a pure climber gets away, he has six and a half kilometers, I think from there to the finish after that climb to try to hold that. Mm. And I feel like it would be too hard for a pure climber. The, the climb isn't selective enough for him to really get that advantage. But then above all, he's going to have six and a half kilometers after that, that he's going to be solo and that'll be yeah, really hard. Like, so I think that it favors a sort of rider that would be like kind of like an in-between, I guess, like Sagan, that sort of rider where they can, they, they're probably not going to get distanced on the climbs from the pack on a, on a climb like this, <laughs> but then they can definitely still mix it up. In my 35 to 39, whatever, but there are five watt per kilo people who weigh yeah, I think 180 pounds, 170 pounds, like above that. And that I think means, you would be, I think you would be distanced on the climb. I, yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah. <laughs> They're so, a whole watt per kg more than me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if they weigh the same amount as me, that means on the flats, they can just push it hard too. So, and they yeah. can sprint. Yeah. It'll be a good video. It'll just be cool to see how good they are. Yeah. Um, but nothing's happening with me. Yeah, that'll yeah. be that'll be fun. Well, we'll have Downeyville footage too. I will be week, racing so. Chad though. Hey, I don't know if that was loud enough. Did you hear Chad? That? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we must say that. <laughs> Sorry. You see, you guys going to be racing in the same age group? No. No. Okay. So you, same I mean, course. Racing, racing. We're talking in air quotes here. You won't be scored together, but you will be racing on the same yeah. course, same day. I slayed one of you in a time trial already. <laughs> so, so back to the comparison game. Huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying though. I'm not going out there to to win a national title if that is comes as a you know a corollary to doing a sub 50 that's all good and fine but i'm just looking for that sub this 50. isn't 40k so you might get it <laughs> yeah well relatively it's, speaking i mean i'm gonna have to relate it to the yeah, duration, average speed. so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but even then if it's not you say I think it's, it's not a flat close, course right? it's close how, how what is it 39 <clears throat> or 38 it's very close yeah i'll, yeah. I'll check on it while we'll you guys give it keep to talking you, if you yeah. get the average speed but that would take below a sub 40k and it's like 39k yeah uh, i mean it's 39.8 Okay, it's really close. Really close. All right. Yeah, yeah. so we'll call okay. it. Yeah. yeah. And within I mean, that, if I get like a 49.59, maybe, maybe we'll call so it not. Maybe not call yeah. it. I don't know. It has 185 meters of gain. It's an out and back. Okay. So if you split that in half, it's got about what, like 92 meters of gain. So you're looking roughly about 300. No, I like so, that format. I like it a lot because I think people are going to blow themselves up on that slight downhill heading out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Then I, and if not there, then they're going to do it on the first climb to the turnaround. Chad's yeah. better TTR than me too, because when at 40 K TT, you beat Jonathan by like two minutes. Yeah. And I beat Jonathan by five seconds at Valley Sun. Yeah. Hmm. It's true. But I got five still, seconds. uh, AJ from envy is sending me extra risers to get a little bit higher. Nice. And I got a new seat post for my P five. It's a laid back seat post so that I did find one. Chad oh, nice. McNeese actually on the forum found one nice. so Thank that you, I can Chad get McNeese. more in a row position. So I'm still. Still in the hunt to be able to put out road power on my TT bike and be arrow. This is exciting. Masters National Championships. Pretty fun. And uh, close. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty stoked that. about it. Yeah. I hope it goes TT, crit, and then we can have some beers and then road race. And then yeah. I, maybe I would do the road race. Yeah. Mm. That'd be, be cool. Just be for fun. fun just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, just go for it. Get a yeah. video of me getting dropped. Do some crazy tactics. <laughs> just terrible ones. No. That'll, no, no. Do terrible ones that'll make for a good video. I hope everyone just gets <laughs> a flat on the, uh, race the road footage. section. Race for the I'm footage. I'm just by myself <laughs> and I finish. Let's go into Johnny's question. Who knows? He says, my question's about warm-ups and nutrition on days with multiple races. So it may be applicable to multiple people. I'm doing an Omnium that includes a 40-mile road race Saturday morning, a six-mile time trial Saturday afternoon, and a 30-minute crit on Sunday. 
So those two races on Saturday, it's a 40 mile road race and a six mile TT. And then he has a 30 minute crit the next day. Okay. So he says, my questions primarily focus on warmups and nutrition between the events on Saturday. After a hard ride, I'd normally start replenishing with a four carb to one protein, seeing that four to one ratio of carbs, to proteins. Uh, and he says food. So he doesn't necessarily say a drink or anything else like that, but he just says food, maybe a drink, who knows? In this case, I'll have about four hours between events. Should I skip the protein to maximize the carbs I can eat when eating between these events? So, and then he has a couple of questions. We'll just run through them and then we'll go back and address them. Okay. Should my post road race meal, that's the one that he'll do basically right after that be big since I have about four, four hours in between that and the time trial. And when getting ready for the TT, how should I warm up? Rewarm so, up. Rewarm up. Yeah. Good point. Um, let's just cover the nutrition ones and then we can get into the warm up ones. Yeah. How about that? Sure. So first things first, uh, should I skip the protein to maximize the carbs I can eat and how big should that meal be? Yeah. So he's got a pretty forgiving window at four hours mm -hmm. and he's coming off of what a 40 mile road race, which we're probably not even looking over two hours. Yeah. So probably. it's probably not going to be a terribly depleting event first off. So while I normally would say anytime you have a, a inter race gap, I wouldn't even, <clears throat> I wouldn't even be thinking about carbohydrate or, or I'm sorry, protein or fat. It would all be carbohydrate. And then I would just decide, decide how absorbable those carbohydrates need to be based on how narrow that window is. Mm -hmm. I mean, in this case, he could certainly get away with it, but I mean, when you supplement with protein, you're looking for a couple of things. One is to, to stave off protein degradation. I don't think that's a big threat in events of this duration, especially if he comes in loaded up. Mm -hmm. I mean, a two hour race is only going to do so much in terms of depletion that he can't get back on top of by that second event, which is a short one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then secondly, to, to further glycogen resynthesis. So a little bit of protein actually does enhance the rate of glycogen resynthesis, but again, he's, he's trying to restock muscles that are probably will not have been run too low. So. And for, for an event, that's probably not going to take too much out of him. And then the next day is a short day too. Mm -hmm. So I think because these events are relatively short, you're not as sensitive to all the restrictions that I think might normally apply in terms of protein intake in between events I, and carbohydrate intake. So I just made this exact <clears throat> mistake and, uh, by, by not eating enough between crits, here's what I did in short events. Yeah. We had two short events. It's because I didn't even eat lunch. Mm -hmm. Like. So I ate my breakfast at like 8 a.m. Oh, so you didn't eat anything? Yeah. Ah. Right? But, but the but 40 mile road race. So I had my, this is, don't, this is so off brand for me, but uh, <laughs> 8 a.m. I ate like a big bunch of, of oatmeal. And then three hours later, I had my first race. I didn't have a bottle cage on, so I didn't drink anything. And an hour break, what, what was it? 10? I don't know. But mm -hmm. it, by the time it was the last race, I think it was like 3 p.m. I still hadn't, I think I had one, some gels or something between. Yeah. And that's it. The last event I had, I was like sapped after all of those hard surges. Sure. And even the 40 mile road race could be super easy yep. or it could just be like <clears throat> minute really on, intense. minute off. That's minute on, absolutely minute something off. to keep in mind too. So the overall intensity of it, you know, the sort of efforts you're doing, you know, are they really aerobic ones where you're just noodling along, hiding in the field? Are you full on, you know, gas on, gas off, countering moves, et cetera? You know, how yeah. you ride, it's definitely going to influence how much of your glycogen you, you deplete. Mm -hmm. if, if I had four hours, especially because... It's in the afternoon. So normally on a normal day, you would eat lunch, right? Yeah. I would yeah. fuel during the road race and I would do like a, just your four to one with whey protein. And I said maltodextrin at low glycemic index. It's got the like highest. So yeah, mistake. Super sorry. Um, that kind of drink. And then, uh, I would probably then do another simple carb, low fiber, like meal right after that. Cause four hours mm -hmm. it's going to be digesting. And the hard part is if you get, if you get hungry, like an hour before or like two hours before, yeah. and there's not enough time to digest, 
Mm-hmm. That's the worst. Yeah. And will he be, how hungry is he going to be straight after that road race? I mean, if you really gutted himself, conjuring an appetite could be kind of that's difficult. Why that, so I, the drink is good because that's usually easy to get down. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the meal you eat to, like, I totally agree. You've had that. I think I saw you, you were smart. You ate like rice and egg, white, yeah. white mm-hmm. rice and eggs. Yep. Very low fiber meal, probably yeah. set, like a little savory. So between. That, yep. Yeah. And, and this whole four to one ratio that that's, that's really about it's really about recovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically the ratio for a post-workout um, mixture of, of, of protein and carbohydrate. Typically, or not even typically, but what, I, what I've seen lately is the ratio should be kept closer to one to 10 mm-hmm. when you're working and even in between closely stacked events. So we're only talking just a, just a, a smidgen of protein relative to your carbohydrate. And say, carbohydrate is still, still the goal. But yes, again, he's got a four-hour gap, mm-hmm. reasonably short events, who knows how hard the road race is going to be. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty flexible. And honestly, you, you label this, um, we haven't disclosed this yet, but you say it's a B level race for you or not, not an A event. Mm-hmm. So really, if you're going to try some things out mm-hmm. and think you might make some mistakes, here's the time to do it. Yeah. What I, what I usually do. And so I've had two times this year already where I've raced three times <clears> in a day, <throat> three different crits, uh, mind you. But when I, when I've done that, like you said, Nate, I basically have, I think it's like five cups of rice and a big Tupperware. And then, so smart. uh, from that, I just have like, I think it's, it's just two eggs and that are scrambled and then yeah. mixed in there. Soy sauce. And a touch of soy for that savory mm. flavor. I put some sriracha in there too. Yeah. That could be good. Um, yeah. really like, it's, it's just like, it's really mild. It's nothing crazy. It's not like it's an exciting meal to have, but it's easy to put down and eat cold is fine. Eat cold is fine. It's mm-hmm. just an easy thing to fiber. do. Well, yeah. And then consider your source of protein too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're not going to have four eggs. No, you have a little bit of egg. Um, if you're Events are super and I'm not close eating together. The whole thing too, it's probably worth yeah. saying. And, right? and whey protein mm-hmm. digests really or absorbs really rapidly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, five cups of cooked rice, not uncooked. Because uncooked rice. would be like <laughs> uncooked would be gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is cooked rice. And you don't even eat all of it. It's just there. No, it's just there. Yeah. I just I pick away at it. Exactly that. So then, yeah. You're so smart. It's a, it's very it's very foods. neat brand. Right. Like that's very, that's very yeah, yeah. Put it in a little cooler and just pull it out. Yeah. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, and he's talking a four hour gap, but maybe if the gap were a little narrower, ingesting a, a big bolus of anything, mm-hmm. whether it's rice or oatmeal or something, get, saddling you with a heavy gut in time for a race, is definitely not desirable, especially if it's something that's short and intense like that mm-hmm. TT. You yeah. can try to, uh, yeah, that's a good point, but do this at home. So have whatever you want to do four yeah. hours before. Yeah. Totally. Like, be like, yeah, I'm going to eat be, a bunch of rice. This B event does not have to be your dress rehearsal. You can make your dress rehearsal well outside of this yeah, event. A dress rehearsal. Yeah. That's what's so great about the <clears throat> having, forgive me, structured training like that is you can see, since you have structured training and something that you adhere to, you'll know how that works for a given intensity. Because that's mm-hmm. like an important part, right? Like you said, Nate, if it's super intense or if it's super chill, <clears throat> your body can tolerate different things. And that's why it's really nice if you're following a plan, you can figure out. Like I, I know, for example, that if I have a really intense day, I scoop my meals back another half hour. Otherwise I can eat within two and a half hours of my event. And that's when I find like I've performed best. But if it's something where it's, you know, like super high intensity, I back it up to three. So it's that to that point, use your training to refine it constantly. And look at the profile of the 40 mile road race. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. if it's, if it's a flat course and then you could just really have to boil it down to strategy. How do you plan to ride it? Do you have a team? How, you know, basically how are you going to approach it? But if it's a, you know, if it's a a steady climb, long, steady climb, looped course, I mean, all these characteristics are going to figure into how much carbohydrate um, you can estimate you're going to burn. 
I, sometimes too the the forty mile road races are so much harder than the eighty mile be, road races. For sure. Yeah, because right? everyone's just time. like, yeah. yeah, they're like, I've got to get people tired in two hours. Yep, or yeah. less than it could be an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes. Sure, yeah. right. Um, the last thing, uh, the what you just made sounds like a big Allen limb like. It's totally bar. from the scratch lab. Yeah, book, I think, <laughs> like, yeah. you could add some. I think they, what he added, brown sugar, that's for during the workout, but a little it's bit of, great. if you had a lot of time, like four hours, a little bit of bacon can make it more palatable yep. and get some more calories. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, he also has the option of eating on the bike. I mean, again, depending on the intensity of the road race topography, you know, the type of course that he's up against. But I mean, if he's supplementing on that during the event also, and then does a post-workout or yeah, post-race a uh, meal or just even a recovery shake. I yep. mean, you're probably going to go into that time trial about as loaded up as you need to be. Well, yep. I disagree because if you do the 40 mile road race and you go maximum carbs, you still not you and you, the protein shake, those calories are still probably less calories than you, you did during the road race, depending on your FTP. Yeah. And then you didn't eat lunch. So on a normal day, we're not talking about not eating lunch though. And you were also not considering how, how loaded up he's coming into this. Yeah. I mean, probably not going to carb, carb load for something like this, but having full glycogen stores are going to get you a long way into a two hour event. Keeping the context of what this question is about, which is really a B race where he's refining. This mm -hmm. is a good opportunity for you to take on more and, and like, like, you know, make sure that you fuel the work as adequately as possible during it. Make sure that you come in loaded and then in between bring in food and then see how your body deals with it. Because yeah. the one thing is like on a race day, we always talk about favoring health and then favoring performance. Sometimes those two align, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but sometimes they, they don't. And what I mean by that though, is, is, is probably something less severe than what it sounds on a normal day. It's not going to be healthy for you to just take in a massive amount. And if you're not doing any activity and you don't have activity coming up, right, you're just an average person that doesn't train. It's probably not very healthy to just take in a gigantic amount of carbohydrate like this and just do nothing with it. But since it's a race day, this is the sort of thing where you can experiment and figure it out and figure out what works best. You're putting in a ton of work and it's a B race. It's like the perfect time to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd test and figure it out for sure. Mm -hmm. Want to go into the warm up part of it? Yeah. Uh, I'll read his warm up question again and, and some additional details. He says, when getting ready for the TT, how should I re warm up? I plan to use para. That's one of the workouts uh, that we have within our catalog here. And, and producer Tucker will bring that up on the screen. So then y'all can see it. Um, and that's actually when you're using plan builder, when you say use openers for my events, depending on the type of event, it may use this one here, this workout, uh, para, and it may slot it in to, to your calendar, which is pretty cool. So he says, I plan to use para. You can see it on the screen now, uh, as an opener Friday and as a warm up for the road race Saturday morning, should I reuse para to warm up since it's a short TT versus Cajon, which is another one that we have, uh, for a long TT. He says, do it and Cajon's structure, which Tucker will pull that up too, but it's basically, it's just a little bit more, uh, steady state, less, or I shouldn't say steady state. It's just less short, intense intervals uh, mm -hmm. in the warm up. Cajon, yeah. Yep. Uh, so his question, uh, do I need to warm up or will I still just be warm from that road race? And then he asks again, should I just reuse paw off for that, uh, the crit that he has the next day? Yeah. So warmups. Yeah. So warmups going to dissipate over geez, 20, maybe 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're not rewarming up anything. That's a new warm up. Um, and then let, let's just talk warmups for a second. Uh, most of this is cold from an old slide deck I had from Dr. Andrew Coggin. So thanks Andy, but it's, it really pulls from three studies and we'll link to each of those studies. 
Um, but but when you consider the purposes versus the harms of warmups, and we're looking at both the physiological and the psychological side of things here. And by the way, this is all scientifically demonstrated. So each of these things that it does has been measured via research. People feel pretty strongly or you know pretty confidently about what what takes place. Um, the intentions are one to increase muscle temperature. We've talked a number of times about how that increases muscular activity and does a number of other things. Um, we're trying to decrease muscle and joint resistance. So basically just make the movements a little more fluid, a little less resisted, um, greater release of O2. So this all has to do with those VO2 kinetics. So how quickly can we, you know, pick up, put off and utilize oxygen, um, which has to do with the speeding of oxidative reactions. These are also something that, that increases with warm up, increased nerve conduction. So how quickly the muscles fiber or f fibers fire, um, and then on the psychological side, it's confidence inspiring, but that works both ways. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. That. You got to have a, a warm up where you just feel horrible and then go out and have a really good workout, a really yeah. good race. So, so it can be confidence inspiring, especially if you have a particular work, uh, warm up that you follow, you know, pr say prior to a 40 K TT, I do this warm up, and I do a lot of 40 K TTs and I know how I feel. It can really say I am on today. This is going to be a good ride. Mm -hmm. Um, the risks are that warmups, especially too long warmups can lead to some residual fatigue that you're going to carry into event. This is a very real thing. And people <laughs> do this to themselves all the time. It's ridiculous how long some people will warm up, especially <laughs> when it's a short event. They think it was a short event. I got to do that flip side of it, the short the event, the longer the warm up, to a point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you don't need to be on the bike for really any more than thirty minutes at the high end of things. Can I share an embarrassing example of yeah. this? Uh, so, I mean, this is <laughs> this is my away. first race. So, I guess maybe not embarrassing. Give me some slack here, but I, it was a criterium, my first bike race that I had done, and a guy that I had talked to that was a, a seasoned cyclist. He was like, they're oh the, yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the beefcake in the gym. For sure. For sure. I went to the big guy and asked him, right. And he was like, oh yeah, for short races, you need to have a long, like that inverse relationship, which basically short race, long warm up, long race, short warm up, Right. So yeah. he, he explained that. And then he was like, how long is your race? And I was like, it's a 30 minute criterion. He's like, you gotta be out there for two hours then. Two hours? I can't, I can't believe that's <laughs> so, real. No, I showed no up. No way. Did he really say <laughs> yes. two hours? Yes. And did you really follow his advice? <laughs> yes. As your first race too, that's probably enough to just like, that's the whole workout. I was oh smoked. Yeah. <laughs> so I went out. And the story. funniest part is he showed up to, it's the air center criterion. We show, I showed up out there was two the hours C early. <clears throat> yeah. Two of which we race first, right? Two hours early. It's like an entire week's training road. And keep in mind, I think that like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, everybody else is probably going to be there two hours early because this is just a law that everybody follows. Right. And I showed up, not a single person was there. So I thought I was at the wrong place and like nobody showed up until like 20 minutes before the race. And then they showed up. So I, I rode around for two hours and I was like, circle? Ex yes, You're like yes, one little over one K circles, many laps. <laughs> and I was smoked by That's the time funny. the race came around. Um, I figured I was warm, uh, but that was like, that was it. Now you do like what? Five laps <clears throat> yeah. in the previous race and then go. I, I have my 15. Yeah. That race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I have my. It's usually a 15 minute warm up protocol that I follow, and that's what I stick to, mm -hmm. which we'll get into in a bit. But, yeah. anyways, to that point, okay. yeah. it's not just like, uh, even though there's this relationship of short race, long warm up. I don't know if you guys are playing footsie under the table or what right he now, just, but yeah. He just keeps flirting. <laughs> Chad always like so. puts his feet on my side of the table. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody on the camera can see that is very not the case. <laughs> the camera's not down there, Chad. Yeah. It's not this time, but normally he's way over. <laughs> Bringing it back. I'm going to start Instagramming <clears> it. Chad's feet. <laughs> <laughs> this whole inverse relationship is not something strict. 
it's like it can be a general guideline for sure but it also you can just have your warm-up protocol that you stick to yeah. the point is you want to accomplish the same things that you talked about physiologically just before that's what we're aiming to accomplish and that can't that isn't just accomplished by that inverse relationship no, it can be accomplished for sure. in many ways yep Yep. So, so if somebody tells you to warm up for two hours, just say thank you, but don't. Okay. Yeah. So there's yeah. that definitely drives home the <laughs> possibility of residual fatigue. Did you? Yeah. I wasn't completely listening. No, I was. But <laughs> we talk. I don't see it here in the notes about you can actually make yourself too hot. Also, yeah, I'm like your, that. your core that. It's okay, the very cool. next point I'm going to make. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't see it here. It's, 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 it's the word that's highlighted right there. So, so again, oh, back to the is. risks, <laughs> leads of residual, geez, Sorry. can lead Sorry, to residual Jack. fatigue. It can also lead to increased core temperature. And this is a very big deal. Very big deal. I mean, even, even on a, on a cold day, it can be a big deal starting fresh out of the gates for a long ride. And you're already elevated in terms of core temperature, but what about on a hot day and warming up on a trainer sitting in the sun, Not moving. I mean, you can ramp that core temperature way up there and that does nothing to serve you when the race starts. This is why, so you want it, it for those who are confused, you want your muscles to be warmer, but mm -hmm. you want your core temperature to be low. Yeah. And this is why they have ice vest and that sort yep. of stuff. And we don't need a big increase in, in muscle temperature. And you certainly don't need a big increase or want a big increase in core temperature. Can I ask you how you manage that when you did the last time you did 40 KTT national championships, mm -hmm. it was extremely hot. Yeah. How did you manage that? I rode around. So rather than a trainer warm up, I rode around. Yeah. I mean, that's always the answer. Cause you can try to, maybe you could bring a fan, find an electrical outlet or, or a, a battery powered fan, perhaps get under a shaded tree. But if the ambient temperature is high, it's so hard to stay on top of your cooling as, as all of us know as indoor trainers. Yeah. It's really, it's really tough. I, it's funny how, like, even in the middle of winter, when you warm up on the trainer at a race, mm -hmm. you just start sweating a lot of the, you know, if there's, it can be really cold outside, but if you're not moving and there's no wind moving over you, you yeah. really start sweating. Yep. So, and then the third risk, I'm just going to cover three is that it, there's the potential of depleting those valuable glycogen stores. We're just talking about, you can run yourself down to a point where some of the glycogen you burn off in your warm up was actually something that could have benefited you during the event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yep. So, so this is all what happens psychologically and physiologically, and this is all good and fine. However, the real question is, are ties to performance gains actually legitimate? Do we see improvements in performance when we do warmups? And the science says, maybe it's, it's, it may or may not benefit you. Um, it seems to be that you're more likely to impact short and, and, uh, mid duration events with a warm up. And, and this, this is kind of common sense, right? We've seen this. If, if you know, it's going to be a short, really intense event and you come into it completely cold, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a tough day. Um, whereas with long events, use probably the early stages of that race to further your warm up or to be your warm up. Mm -hmm. So, and the science actually bears that out or the, the experiments and the research actually bears that out. Um, and then also we found that, uh, or scientists, researchers have found that it's sub subjective, both in the protocols and the durations of the warm up. So you find what works for you. You know, maybe you do need 40 minutes. Maybe you only need 20 minutes. I find that, and for that, that time trial in particular, I warmed up for 20 minutes and I didn't really do anything, but gradually work up to the pace. I thought it was going to hold, stayed there for about five minutes and then noodled back to the start. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't this extensive, highly scripted work, uh, warm up. Mm -hmm. It was just that, and it, it worked quite well. Could it, could I have gone faster with a better warm up? I don't think so, but there's that possibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, well, that's kind of the, to the, the final point is that your own recipe is just as effective as a scripted one. And the, and the, the restriction or the limitation, I guess, the, the, uh, 
downside perhaps of a scripted one is it can, it can be inflexible. Maybe you don't feel that good that day yet. You're still ro rolling through this workout or this warm up format. That's really difficult mm -hmm. and, and, and forcing you into places that you're just not comfortable getting into prior to your event. I mean that, and that's going to have a psychological impact too. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all how you frame it, right? Because sometimes you can think I do this. I'm thinking of some pro cyclists who use trainer road for their warmups. Mm -hmm. If they like, if I do this, I have a great race. Yeah. Even if I feel bad in it, as long as I do it, mm -hmm. I'll have a great race. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you could do like, but you could also have the, the psychological thing is I'm not feeling as good as yeah. I normally do. Exactly. Therefore I'm going to have a bad race. Yeah. That's the other side of that. Coin. How often do you do a trainer workup and you feel horrible during the work, the warm up. Oh yeah. Even the and first then, interval. And then after that, you're like, it's not so bad. Mm -hmm. yep. I so much, I like stop and I go, my power meters, this is like, let me check everything. I'm like scientific and yeah. let me unweight it and, and, and zero it all. Yeah. Thinking that like my power meter drifted or something like that. I just read a comment on the forum so much better. where a guy said exactly that. He was like, I was just about to bail out on the warm up, and then Chad, my, my screen text actually said that very thing. Even if you feel terrible right now, it doesn't mean this is going to be an impossible day. Yeah. I used to tie too much to the per, to rate of perceived exertion during my warmups. I basically would, my power would be constant because it would be the same thing that I would do every time. And then I would be like, okay, if RPE is lower than normal, then it's going to be a good day. If it's higher, it's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. And I've since learned that I, I shouldn't do that. I should just follow my warm up that I have. And if I feel like I need to cut the warm up short, that's fine. If I feel like I need to extend it, that's fine. But let the race be the race. And instead of just like forming conclusions about how it's going to go beforehand, sure. I think it's important to do that. Cause I remember like sea otter last year during my warm up, I felt terrible like really bad. I had a fantastic race day that day. Um, plenty of times where that's happened, but it's just not worth like, you know, tying it in. And to that, to that point, I think that it's important that e even if like, for example, you're using, you know, you use, you have a very strict structure. Maybe you've, you know, you use trainer road to even do your warm up when you're at the race, that sort of a thing, be open to changing that structure. Uh, over time, changing it over time, or maybe changing it even to that day, like making it flexible. Right? Yeah. So that's, like, that's my one bit of advice to offer to you, Johnny, and to really everybody is to make your workout format modifiable. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can take the same athlete on the, at the same race that, that very little changes from year to year and you're rolling through your workout or your warm up, keep mixing those up and it can be a very different experience. So just recognize I'm carrying a little extra fatigue in today. I don't feel as fresh today. I don't need to sprint. So I'm not going to do those, you know, last couple of three second, five second bursts, et cetera. Um, and, and along those lines, I think Johnny, um, that Laurel is probably a better TT format for you, mm -hmm. but this is something I would experiment with prior to this event or, or, or events similar to this. Um, Laurel's a little a uh, little more spiky or no, which one? It's more stable. Yeah. Much it's up more there steady on state. Right there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Tucker, so Laurel for the right TT, Para for the crit. And, mm -hmm. and basically these just emulate the sort of efforts you're likely to utilize or likely to dole out over the course of, of the event. But again, I mean, we've got what we talked about, Cajon, Laurel, Para. These are just three examples. Take a look at them and maybe apply them to events like these, or maybe even workouts similar to these. Because mm -hmm. you can, there's nothing to say you can't precede any of your workouts with one of these warmups. Sure. Another way, uh, ramp test up to like one minute at threshold or two minutes above yeah. ramps. I yeah. like ramps. That's basically what most of my warmups break down at break down to mm -hmm. is just a ramp over whatever course of time. If I've only got 10 minutes, it's a 10 minute ramp. If I've got 20 minutes, maybe I'll use 15 of it to ramp five minutes to yeah. kind of cool off and then hit it for road racing for longer races. I use a air quotes warm up to check my equipment. 
I'm mm. looking like, is everything, <clears throat> my bolt's tight. Sure. That's is a good everything point. rubbing? No, it's a, a good opportunity to do that. And that's yeah. why I like to ride around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's then, a really good point. And then one final thing, um, this is kind of along the lines of, is it performance enhancing or not? And even if it is, is it a necessity? Because when I went to nationals a few years ago, there was a 30 minute window between the finishing crit and the starting crit, my crit. So I had 30 minutes to, well, I had more time, but there was a 30 minute window where you assume most people are most, most of these masters riders are off in the parking lot, warming up. Um, I don't think he could be on course. No, he couldn't. These guys lined up 30 minutes prior, which means even if they did a warm up, it was probably gone by the time they started. Mm-hmm. Most of them probably didn't do a warm up. They did, lined up because they knew it was a technical turning uh, course and moving up was going to be really demanding. And if you take a look at who lined up early and was out there 30 minutes prior to the event, and then you look at the top 10 standings and who made the podium and who won the national championship, those were the same people. Really? It was, yeah. it was super. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's. I don't know if I've even done it. I've never done a crit where it's so technical. Well, that's I'm going to do. Well, and but I've never done a crit where I haven't warmed up. So one of the air centers this year, I'm going to try it. You're doing the air centers? It's, it's going to be. Amazing. Oh, it's it's going to be miserable. Can we I'm put sure, a camera but on your probably, bike? Probably. <laughs> do you want to be analyzed or not? Probably for only the first five or ten minutes. So true time, time will tell. Yeah, I don't mind. John, that right. air center. We are going off the gut <laughs> as hard as what we're doing a two hour warm up. <laughs> Maybe three. I'm not going to tell you which day it is. We'll just to, see. We're try to sneak we'll in work. there. I know. I know. <laughs> when Chad's there, I'm just going to go hard from the gun first lap. That's the that's fine because that's what a, a nationals level criterion is going to do, true. and that's what you're there for. Yeah. 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 Is that, yeah. It's so good. You're doing him a favor. <laughs> and I get to race like I like to race, just <laughs> foolishly. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> first lap attacks. Oh. Bryce says, "Could any of you gents weigh in on collagen being used for post workout?" Does it provide any additional benefits compared to whey or plant ba- plant based? And he says in parentheses here, rice plus nut protein powders. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is cool. Collagen. You've been doing it lately. I've been doing it for going on four months now. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing it for two months, maybe. Yeah. I've been for a year. There's a lot I of reasons so. I've been yeah, doing it year, too. A year. To which I'm gonna on which I'm gonna elaborate. Let's get into it. Quite a lot. There's so, like two pages of notes. There mm-hmm. is. It'll, it'll, it'll probably go pretty quick. But I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> I, I got selective with this as I've been trying to do with the deep dives. Um, I have a habit of going into deep dives and wanting to share every interesting bit of information I find with sure. everybody. When a lot of it maybe isn't germane to cyclists or or getting faster. Sure. This, however, I, I believe all of this. Pretty, pretty much is. Mm-hmm. So collagen 101, going to cover the who, what, when, where, why, how of collagen. And uh, then we'll talk about a couple couple takeaways or bits of advice. Cool. Um, first off, what is collagen? Uh, it's basically a strong elastic protein found really everywhere. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, it effectively holds us together by basically anchoring ourselves to one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's kind of the scaffolding upon which everything uh, resides. Um, some of the fibrils, uh, especially in the type one fibers, uh, type one collagen, and I'll get to types in a little bit, are actually gram for gram stronger than steel. It's crazy. So it runs a pretty wide range of, you know, strong to, to less strong. Yeah. I um, mean, then skin and skin and joint hydration uh, via something called glycosaminoglycans is, is, an, is another uh, big, big, uh, characteristic of, of collagen. This is something like, that's where like, you, you know, you see collagen in a lot of cosmetic creams that, yep. that people would have yep. for the for benefits on, on skin. I mean, just consider anything that's elastic, anything that has connective tissue to it, which mm-hmm. is basically everything can benefit. Yep. Okay. So collagen is also the, the body's most abundant and most structurally important protein. So it, it's vital and it's predominantly comprised of three amino acids. There are other amino acids, but we're really just, I'm just going to cover the, the, the big three hitters. Cool. Um, first off there's glycine, which is tied to DNA health. So basically anytime we get those breakages or any, any, any harm or, um, 
uh, issues that, that comes to our DNA. Glycine's there, and, and it's a key protein. Uh, also, cellular regeneration. So hydroxyproline, and this is the one that's cre credited with collagen stability, and interestingly, and if this is correct, is not found in muscle meat. So it doesn't matter how much lean meat you eat, you're not getting any of this hydroxyproline. This is also the one that's linked to kidney stones, but that's pretty controversial. It, it seems like everything, there's the, the, the downsides to collagen supplementation seem to be kidney stones and hypercalcemia, okay. you know, high, high amounts of calcium in your blood. Yep. Both of these pretty tenuous links. Mm. Um, maybe that's changed. I don't think so. I mean, even the guys on Stronger by Science talked about this the other day, and they didn't mm -hmm. seem to be too strongly behind the, the threat of kidney stones. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, the other amino acid is proline, and this is the one that's tied to cartilage health. Got it. Okay, so like I said, there there are many types of collagen. I saw the high number, the highest number I saw was like twenty eight. But but most of our body collagen is either type one, two, or three. And while there's plenty of functional overlap between all three of these, they all do a bit of each thing. Type one is is typically referred to as the skin collagen. Type two, the joint health collagen, and type three, the bone or connective tissue or gut health collagen. Hmm. And then within there. Now, the two different types of collagen you're going to see most are either bovine or marine, but there's also chicken and egg. I saw egg membrane collagen was one of the brands. Hmm. So, but but mostly it's bovine and marine. And bovine is the one in the three, whereas marine is more more type one. Bovine cow is touted as the the one that most benefits joint and gut health. Uh, the one that, that they usually refer to when they're speaking exercise recovery. And then, of course, our hair and nails. And again, a big overlap. Even two does some of this to some extent. And then marine is typically the one you're, you're going to see or use if skin or beauty and anti-aging. And you know, again, stronger hair and nails is more of a concern. But again, this is the one. Marine is the one that's more tied to the hypercalcemia downside if, in fact, it's it's actually caused by collagen <laughs> supplementation. And then also marine has smaller peptides, so it's a bit more bioavailable. And I'll discuss peptides in a minute. Um, so Bryce, in your case, you asked about whether or not whey and plant-based proteins or whey plus plant-based is uh, better or different, or if there are advantages you're missing out on by not supplementing with collagen. And it's really a question of which amino acids you're after. Um, a lot of the amino acids that are present in collagen are less or not even available in whey protein or pea protein or the other forms of, of protein. So uh, a lot of people combine their whey protein supplementation with collagen supplementation just to kind of round out that amino acid profile. Got it. Okay. So finally, um, in, in uh, line with the what question is, this is structurally vital in so many parts of our body, our bones, cartilage, connective tissue, skin, organs, for instance, our heart valves, uh, gums, eyes, blood vessels. So vessels. So anytime you hear endothelial tissue or endothelial function, there's a collagen aspect of that brain, lungs, and it's also linked to immune health, which makes sense because Immune health has, or, or the collagen has a big impact on gut health, which is, of course, tied hand in hand with immune health. Mm -hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> the who, meaning, you know, who should supplement with collagen or make sure they're getting enough collagen through other sources? Everybody, especially if you're on a, stand, a Western diet or a standard American diet, acronym SAD, aptly so, <laughs> because it's sorely deficient in this in this sort of thing. We don't, we don't eat the sort of things that we used to that would naturally introduce collagen into our diet. So supplementation often makes sense, especially as we age and as our collagen breaks down. This is what leads to the sagging and wrinkling skins, wounds that don't heal as well, joints that are constantly achy. So there's really nobody who probably wouldn't benefit from extra collagen in their diet. What um, 
Sorry, missed part of this. But yeah. what about bovine and marine? Like putting both. Yeah, of you them could combine them. I mean, we're talking I, about timing. I don't see oh, why we're not. We're talking but, about timing later, right? Yeah, but the bovine and marine. I mean, if if bovine's the one and heavy on the one and the three types of collagen, and marine's heavy on the one, you're kind of already covering that base. Okay. I don't see why you couldn't do it. Um, but the marine, I think, Nate, the ever maximalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Just get them all. <laughs> so, okay. So then the why, um, basically the why of, of supplementation or, or more collagen is to support collagen synthesis in the face of our, our body's declining ability to do it. It's on its own. Mm-hmm. So, and damage that comes from a number of things, smoking don't need to go any further than that. I mean, smoking is harmful on a lot of levels, but it's also very harmful to your collagen UV exposure. That's should be pretty evident considering, you know, skin, um, and then sugar, and I'll talk about this a little while later because it's not just sugar in general, it's sugar in a, in a particular way. Um, it's beneficial to digestive health. In particular, the glycine and the proline um, strengthens the tight junctions in our small intestines. So so anytime we can improve that level of permeability, uh, it, you avoid things like leaky gut syndrome sort mm-hmm. of thing. So let's just call it gut health. Um, and then restful sleep. One of, the, one of those amino acids, glycine, favors apparently the, the deep sleep cycle of our sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Cool. Okay. The how, so how do we get collagen into our bodies? And there's really two mechanisms. I mean, either way we're going to eat it, we're going to ingest it, but we can either get it dietarily or we can get it via supplementation. Um, dietarily, the big hitters these days are the, the I mean, the, the buzzy term is bone broth or bone gelatin. And you don't really even need to draw a distinction between those two things. Cause they're basically the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you put bone broth the in the fridge, process. it's going to be gelatin. Yep. <laughs> it gets cold. Yeah. Um, you can also eat cartilage or gristle, and and I mm. chuckle because my dad used to do this, and it grossed me out fat no gristle. end. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and it's, it. it makes a horrible noise when you chew it. Too. <laughs> oh. That's um, gross. Thinking about that, yeah. You can either eat or cook your meat on the bone. So meat eaten straight from the bone. Either way, the bone's involved in the cooking process. Therefore, some of the collagen can actually make its way into the meat you're eating. Like awesome um, soups, or something like that. Yeah, or yeah. just meat on the bone. I mean, yeah. pulp, but rather than a chicken breast, mm-hmm. actually eat a chicken breast with the bone in it. Sure. Or boneless chicken breast. Um, and then soups are an easy way to, to basically cook this down and get the nutrients out of whatever these materials are into the actual broth. So I mean, that's basically bone broth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, organ meats are high in collagen. Uh, I know it's a hard thing to eat and they're, they're rather strong tasting and very much an acquired taste, but I've been eating a fair amount of pate over the last several months. Yeah. That's, that's an easy get and it actually tastes pretty good. It's a great appetizer. Mm-hmm. Um, hooves, skin, fish heads, bones. These are all things that are part of that whole noise to tail sort noise of tail. eating yeah. methodology that, you know, it sounds buzzy, but that's how we used to eat. So we mm-hmm. got these things, whether we recognize it or not, we're not getting them now because we mostly target muscle meat and in, in most cases, lean muscle meat. So we're not even getting the skin that, you know, has the, has the, the, the fat, which is what t- people are typically trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, on the less creepy side, you can, uh, pumpkin. Berries, dark leafy greens, all promote collagen synthesis in one way or another. And for vegans too. Yep. Exactly. Right. Very important. Yep. For vegans. Um, And then the other method, like I said, is supplementation. And typically this is done via bovine marine, but I also mentioned that there's chicken, um, eggs, Mm -hmm. different forms. Um, And of course, uh, plant-based. But when it comes to bovine, we're talking cow hides and connective tissues. When it comes to fish, it's typically cod. I see that most. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's heads and bones. 
Um, what's important here is that the, the supplements have to be hydrolyzed, otherwise don't bother because the amino acid molecules are too big to cross your intestinal wall. They're not going to make it into your bloodstream. They're not going to get absorbed. Mm. So, and, and hydrolyzed, anytime you see hyd hydrolyzates, hydrolyzed peptides, it's all effectively the same thing. All it is is using water to make these molecules smaller. Yeah. So you knock the, the amino acid molecules down to smaller sizes. Through hydrolysis, you can call them hydro hydrolysates, you can call them peptides, they're the same thing. Just make sure that's part of it. Otherwise, it's not gonna make it into your system. It's not gonna get to the places you want it to get to. Mm -hmm. um, the, and, and one of the upsides with collagen in particular, maybe overweight, for, for instance, is that it's basically flavorless. Mm -hmm. And it's usually touted as entirely flavorless, but I'm here to tell you, if you put 10 grams of it in your black coffee, <laughs> especially if you're a coffee snob and you got your single origin Ethiopian pour over, yeah. you will taste the cow. What brand is it? Um, I, a couple of brands. We'll get to that uh, when we close out. I just... It's in one of my coffees, and I don't know which one. It's like yeah. Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. And, and maybe yeah. some are better than others, but the one I've been using lately, when I put it in black coffee, I can definitely taste it. And it's not strong. It's not overpowering at all, but it's definitely present. Mm -hmm. Cool. So uh, okay. how much did you take? Yeah, so, so the dosage ran basically from the 10 to 25 grams a day recommendation to Based on, based on the, the, the brand, so which I have to believe is more of a branding thing, because when I looked into the studies, they seemed to, to vary or vastly between like 10 and 15 grams. It was narrower, mm. but I mean, consider it from a collagen manufacturer's perspective. You can get people to use their stuff twice as quickly. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, right. Um, so I, I see those higher dosages as being more sale, sales drism, drism, driven. <laughs> Um, and then to, to kind of back up the 10 to 15 dosage, there was a study back in 2008 by Clark et al, where they looked at team and club sport athletes. They gave them 10 grams a day over 24 weeks, and they showed, they demonstrated various improvements in joint pain. They measured it in a lot of ways, and it was, it, it was, it was encouraging to say the least. Mm -hmm. Um, and the title of that, if you if you care is 24 week study on the use of collagen hydrolysate as a dietary supplement in athletes with activity related joint pain. Pretty mm -hmm. easy to relate to every bit of that, right? Yeah, we'll link to that too in the forum for episode yep, 248. right there. Um, yeah. Something to keep in mind is vitamin C is absolutely necessary. You have to co-ingest this with vitamin C or you have to have some on board from like previous, uh, I don't know, juice, whatever. Some, some source of vitamin C, but it doesn't take a lot. We're talking about 50 milligrams. Okay. And if you think of supplements, I mean, daily supplements people take usually range between 500 and 1,000 milligrams, or if not more. more. Yeah. yeah. So it's not hard to find sources of 50 milligrams Some berries. of yep. exactly of yeah. vitamin C, but it is a necessary cofactor it has to be there in order for collagen to be synthesized. Um, I've actually been, when I dose my bottle in the morning, it's 10 grams of collagen. And then I use uh, the precision hydration, their pH 500 actually mentions ascorbic acid on the label. So I haven't got an answer back from them yet. We're going back and forth a bit, but it, it does contain vitamin C. How much vitamin C, don't know quite yet. I'll, I'll relay that along once I learn, but um, Andy and mm -hmm. uh, Chris McKnight Chris. have been going back and forth trying to figure that out. But in any case, there's some in there. I have to believe there's probably at least 50 milligrams of it in there, but I don't know for sure. Um, okay, and then finally, save the best for last. Um, as far as the where, let's, this is, why I started using collagen in the first place. And this was a few years ago. I listened to a podcast on uh, Sigma Nutrition, and I'll link to that as well. But on it was a man by the name of Keith Barr. He's a, he's a PhD. And if you plug his name plus collagen into Google, you'll get 25,400 results. <laughs> so I liken him to the uh, George Brooks of lactate. 
plug George Brooks and lactate in, you'll literally get 10 times that. It's like 265,000 hits, but the man knows his collagen. So he brought two things to light that I found very interesting. Um, first off, he explained cross-linking. And what that is, is it basically defines the, the strength of the collagen. So how much collagen and how strongly cross-linked it is basically dictates how, how healthy or strong the collagen is. And, and this is the interconnection that leads to both the stability and the integrity of, of all these collagen fibrils, which is the, the smallest, small units of collagen. And, and this cross-linking occurs in two forms. One is enzymatic. And this is the desired form, but it plateaus as we mature. And this is why we're not producing as much collagen as we age. Therefore, the need to make sure we're getting it from food or to supplement. Hmm. Um, and then there's the non-enzymatic. And this is what I touched on earlier when I talked about sugar being bad for our collagen, is that this type of, of uh, cross-linking continues the, to stiffen the collagen as we age. So, and, and we can all, all relate to this to some extent. Um, you're just not as flexible and li as limber as you were because, well, your, your collagen's kind of drying out for lack of a better description. And that, so so this boils down to excess sugar in our bloodstream damaging the collagen. And this is a, a process called glycation, which is quite simply the reaction of sugar with proteins or lipids, in this case, the collagen proteins. And it leads to stiffening the, of the collagen in a, a less controlled manner. And the issue here is that collagen turnover becomes difficult. It becomes difficult for our body to replace this this um, effectively sticky gummed up collagen with healthier collagen. Hmm. So not a big deal in the case of endurance athletes who actually use the sugar that's in their bloodstream, but anybody who doesn't and is incurring metabolic disorder of one form or another and has high blood glucose levels, this too damages your collagen. So I'm going <clears> to <throat> recap on one point for this for like us endurance athletes, you know, they're, they're the reasons that we've laid out for improving skin health, improving gut health, even everything else. Yep. And definitely one that we get like, this is kind of like a big hit item that we get from a lot of people is talking about overuse injury injuries, joint injuries, that's, that's, the, tissue that's injuries. the next part. And that's the yeah. most exciting aspect of all of this. And that's kind of why, if you're listening to this, this is why our ears should kind of perk up in the yeah. sense that this is why it would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. And for Jonathan's beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's just, doing for a year. It's just a bonus. thing to do itself over here. <laughs> yeah. No, but we're going to be in triathlon and running. The number one thing that slows runners down is injury. Injury, yeah. Like if you yep. could, that's what prevents you from doing more volume yep. and being consistent with injury. And if we can make our, it's almost always joint related. Yeah. Not always. Well, well but two things re-inspired me to, to put collagen back into my diet or start looking at the amount of collagen that was in my diet. One of them was reading the book, Deep Nutrition by Catherine Shanahan that I've talked about a few times. Mm -hmm. And the other was hearing this podcast by Keith Barr. Actually, there's a third thing. The other was actually getting injured. So this happened way back or I don't know, a short while back when I started to try to reintroduce running into my training regimen and just overdid it a little too quickly and suffered a couple of different issues, mm -hmm. both certainly collagen related. Yep. Okay. So Keith Barr, and this is the podcast that I was talking to. It's Sigma Nutrition. I think it was podcast 143. Yep. 143. If you want to hear, hear this straight from the horse's mouth, it's super interesting. Um, so basically what he did is discovered a bone recovery protocol. I think this was back in 2016 and they've used it since in a, new, a number of other ways. But what they did was used engineered tendons to study the rate of collagen sy synthesis via supplementation of various things. One of them being collagen. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so when they, when people would come in with an injury, you know, an ACL injury, MCL injury, whatever, they would actually have some of that, they would, you know, remove that tissue, rebuild the joint, whatever, but they would have the tissue left over. So they would actually culture it in a Petri dish and make 
make these collagen fibers and see what it responded to, didn't respond to. And what they found is that bones, cartilage, connective tissue respond very quickly to exercise, but they only do it for a short period of time. In the case of the tendons, they found that the cells stopped responding after about five minutes. So it's a really narrow window, and I'll explain why that is. Um, so, so they took these findings, they applied them to a randomized control trial that they did at the Australian Institute of Sport. This is a crossover trial, three trials, and a crossover means that each of the groups is exposed to each of the interventions. Mm -hmm. So in this case, there was a placebo group, a five grams of collagen gelatin group, and a 15 grams group. And what they did is they measured the uh, amino acid enrichment over a three-hour period after ingestion. And what they found was that this enrichment peaked at about one hour. So they also, whether from this study or from another, knew that it takes about six hours for bone cells to become once again responsive to you know, this amino acid bath, as it were. Hmm. So they gave each group the drink, they waited an hour, then they had them jump rope for five minutes every six hours, three times for three days. And what they found, super interesting, the rope jumpers doubled their collagen synthesis regardless of, of uh, supplementation. So even the placebo group did that. And it was because it was synthesized by the bone due to the impact, which is a strong case for adding impact to your training diet. And mm. cyclists, we don't, we, we're not exposed <laughs> to any of that. I mean, a mountain biker would be the closest thing. And it's, yeah. it's even uh, still low. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It's yeah. Actually suspended Especially with by suspension, suspension bikes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hardtails. So, Hagar. <laughs> there <Yep>. it is. <laughs> so the low dose group, the five gram group, Five, yeah, the five gram group, um, the dose was insufficient to, to bring a further increase in collagen synthesis, but the high dose group, 15 grams of collagen timed appropriately, further doubled the synthesis. synthesis. So the hmm. jump roping already doubled the collagen synthesis. Another 15 grams of collagen doubled it yet again. So we're seeing a heck of a lot, a, he a heck of a strong response, which boom, leads us to a bone recovery protocol. Hmm. So what's interesting, especially interesting about it is that now we, so we know that we can steer these nutrients to a particular place and, and basically say heal there, rebuild right there. But what's really interesting about it is that the high impact isn't actually necessary. All that's necessary is use of the joint, which has a particular injury relevance. I mean, if you have a damaged knee, last thing you want to do is go jump around on it. But if you can just function the knee, for instance, on a bicycle, you can actually tell the collagen where to go, but mm. you have to do it in a, in a very particular way. So, so what else this told us is that it's possible to target these nutrients very specifically in response to this fatigue-related muscle damage. So all we got to do is inspire fatigue. We don't necessarily have to have the impact. Mm. Um, and this brings about more rapid recovery of injury, really of any degree. So it could be something subtle that's starting out. It can be something that, you know, maybe you actually broke something, tore something, and you're trying to regenerate it. But it has to be timed really specifically because the blood flow to these connective tissues and cartilage is is uh, is tricky at best. They're avascular tissue. They're not, you know, piped full of blood vessels like, like our muscles are. They're more sponge-like in that when we use them, they kind of compress and squeeze out, I'm guessing, synovial fluid. And then when they re-expand, that fluid's sucked back in along with any nutrients that go with it. So as long as we time the entr entry of those nutrients into our bloodstream, use these joints, let them refill, then they're actually getting those nutrients. I mean, it's like a it's like a, a smart bomb, yeah, right? yeah. a guided missile almost. Yep, yeah. um, and then on the non-injury relevant side, there, this is a preventative, there's a preventative ac application to this too. So, and this brings us back to running. So running stress fractures, I mean, there's all sorts of uh, injuries that go with running, but stress fractures are, are one example. They, these, these same people 
had runners use jump roping with their timed intake of collagen, wait an hour, had them jump rope for five minutes, and then would send them on about their day. And saw, I don't remember the statistics, but a, a noticeable increase in the prevalence of injuries related to running. Interesting. So we can actually the use decrease, it, yeah, time yeah. it exactly yeah. right, such that, I mean, if if you have what what appears to be an injury coming on, you could, and, and they, they use it with, uh, another example was the baseball pitchers. They would time it, and they would put their arm in a rice bath, have them go through the motion of pitching and in a very low impact manner, and again, stave off injury. Interesting. So yeah, this is like an hour before and then do, do like, so an hour before workouts wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. It would be ideal according mm -hmm. to, to this study, this, this particular research, but Pretty in any neat. case, well before, which is kind of a bummer for 5am workouts. Cause I don't get up early enough, but later in the, in the afternoon, I have been targeting this specifically. I know yeah. I'm going to lift at three. So I do this at two. Interesting. I, I <clears throat> two, like if you're doing a 90 minute workout in the morning, you do it right before it's going to peak. Yep. An hour in a in, longer workout, right? Yeah. And you're in the middle of everything. Yep. yep. Uh, I'm, I don't know. If, exactly. Well, like, see, I'm taking it 20 minutes prior and doing an hour long workout. So yeah, and that, in the and that's, that's the peak too. Yeah. I mean, there is an uptick over the course of that. It just okay. happens to be highest at one hour. I would think peaking in the middle would be pretty ideal, You'd but think, I don't, who knows? That's no science. Once again, that up. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. just making that up. But so I wouldn't feel so bad if you do it. Sure. So, I, I imagine yeah. there's still some benefit there. I mean, it's more mm -hmm. protein than I'd be getting otherwise. If I'm not steering it to those exact spots because I'm not timing it exactly right, I'm still receiving other benefits. So what kind are you taking, Chad? Um, so I was on the Puori, I guess that's how you say it. They're CP1 pure collagen peptides. And that was good enough. But then uh, I ran out and I asked Pete what he recommended. And he said Great Lakes collagen hydrolysate. So I've been on that lately. Um, so yeah. I looked up... Uh, I talked to Keegan about this cause he does it too. And, uh, there's, we use sports research collagen. That's the one I use. Yeah. And the reason why we do that is because it's on the informed sport list. Yeah. I like that. I took a picture of all my supplements that I've been taking and put on Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, someone said, Hey, you better watch out because like, well, if not all those are on informed sports, so what informed sport is, it's a list of like supplements that are supposedly like air quotes certified saying that these where they manufacture these because the company itself doesn't do it. It's usually another co-packer that does it. Mm -hmm. We're not running through some of these sketchy things in the equipment right yeah. before, or hopefully at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that is supposed to make it easier or less likely that you would then fail a drug test by getting like an unintentionally included tainted supplement yeah. within your supplements. Mm -hmm. I have, I mean, I've never been tested. I probably will never get tested. Um, but the worst thing in the world for me personally, would be to get tested oh, yeah. yes, and then do that. And like, it could have a positive test. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it could be from like a vitamin E supplement, right? Yeah, like, exactly. or, like the vitamin, I could be taking a vitamin C supplement sure. and it could be doing that. And probably there's a lot of people out there that like, um, trace amounts dope and don't even know it. Sure. Right. The, uh, Amber, I don't want to mention any brands, but Amber tells, have told us horror stories of pro cyclists. They take like a cycling brand. She mentioned one electrolyte formula, mm -hmm. like electrolytes. I'm going to be fine. You'd think yeah. that you're Someone totally got safe. popped for yeah. that. And the re the way they do it is um, if you are a pro, you should be doing this. You take pictures or you keep your bottle. So you get your lot number on it. Mm -hmm. If you get popped, there are like lawyers who specialize in this. Hmm. They try to buy up that lot anywhere in America that they can find. Mm -hmm. They send it to a place unopened and then they test it. Hmm. Yep. But you are still screwed. Yeah. Like no matter what, still it's your liable. responsibility. So yeah. you kind of got to grow your own food 
and like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and it's make hard. your own, mine your own salt and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard. You could, cause even if it's on the informed sport list and they find that it was tainted, as far as I'm informed or no, it doesn't it's matter. Still your responsibility, it's still your responsibility, yeah, it which is crazy. So yeah. maybe there's a, like for me, it would be so the court or, of public opinion. But yeah. if I like, let's say I took a major brand that we all take yeah, sure. and then it was found out and it was like, maybe that would be okay. Like it was proven that. It's just everyone got screwed. But there's still going to be a question mark for for the rest of my life. Yep. Right. Yeah. So that's how it works. It's crazy. So <laughs> that's why informed sport list. Yeah. Another <laughs> app that can help with that too, but I don't think that it's as comprehensive as the informed sport list, but there's the NSF certified for sport app and you can look that up and it basically like that's it's handy because you can base like, let's just say you're taking something that's vitamin C, for example, you can type in vitamin C and it'll show you a whole list of companies that are on this, on this list as well of being as being approved. This is good for anyone to do. If you look up, um, something you want to take, just Yep. And there's options. I would do the one on the informed sport list and probably mm -hmm. to the companies that this is just a brandy thing that I think, but the companies that want to be on the informed sports list are probably sports focused companies. Oh, for sure. Like rather than just somebody, yeah. a lot of these companies too, you can create a sports nutrition company. There's no, it's not very hard. Yes. You create one, you go back you put like a label on it, you put it on Amazon. Boom. Yeah. And it's easy. Yeah, exactly. And the inform sport is the brand of the kind you're taking. No, no. Inform sport is the list. The brand is sports research yep. and the oh. product is collagen. Yeah. It's a collagen peptide, something. It's like a black and blue and white bottle. Um, it's the same one that, yeah, I've used that one too for about a year now. So, oh yeah, I've seen it. I yep. mean, I, but again, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Why I would choose anyone over the other. We're going to jump into, uh, well, two if more. you win a national, sorry, yeah. you win a national championship. Well, that goes for you too. You I mean, if someday you do so podium, gets a podium at nationals, yeah. no, I'm just, just someday, you know, yeah. to, sure. 75, yeah. keep, keep hope alive, Nate. I mean, say, say, it, say it happens and you get pulled in, you will get tested. Yep. yep. So yeah. And you can, and, and any of us at any point in any USAC, uh, organized event could be tested. It's even out of competition, out of competition. <clears throat> so it's not, um, it's not as if anybody unlikely is, it's yes. still possible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're just like a nobody and you're getting tested, chances are there's been some sort of lead on you. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. But even yeah. your multivitamin, you think like, Oh my, well, I don't even know if one a day is on multi it. Multivitamin like, just sounds like sketchy waters to me. I, but you don't, I mean, Russian things roulette, that you right? would just think like, yeah. you're like, this is not, yes, you'd think this does not have yeah. anabolic steroids sure. in it. Yeah. You never know. You never Nothing <laughs> performance enhancing. Yeah. So we're just going to go into a couple more questions here. Then we're going to get to some live stuff. Um, first one's from Bob. Uh, he says five shining stars on delivering an entertaining and informative podcast that somehow manages to make my daily commute a little more tolerable. Good to hear thanks. Bob. And thanks for leaving reviews. You can do so. And by the way, you can review just trainer road, the service in general. We'd really appreciate it. If you use this and you're listening to this podcast, go to trainerroadcom slash reviews and you can leave reviews there. And everyone who's watching, please upvote this video. Yeah. Thumbs Not up. Works. 25% of you have less yeah. than that. Yeah. Come on more. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Bob says, I'm so excited that you're doing an Ironman in 2020. I do about 2022. Forgive me. How dare I say 2020 right now? Uh, he says, I do about six Olympic triathlons a year and I've done three 70.3s all on my modest do everything road bike, a 61 centimeter, 2015 Cannondale CAD eight with stock wheels and aluminum clip on aero bars. I'm training for a full to coincide with you guys is just the extra incentive I need to finally become an Ironman. Good to hear, Bob. Uh, here's to taking lots of collagen and hoping we don't explode from the running. <laughs> he says, on a separate note, my wife gave me the go-ahead to upgrade my road bike to a Cannondale Super 6 Carbon Ultegra. Ooh, nice. He says, the plan is for this to be my do-everything bike, including triathlons, and this will be a one-time approval, so I need to get it right. <laughs> 
So now that I'm ready to commit to an Ironman, should I still upgrade my road bike to the Super 6 or maybe even the System 6? Which all, man, the, the names are very confusing here, but Super 6 is their road bike, traditional road bike. System 6 is their aero road bike. So he says, or would I be better off riding my current bike indefinitely and instead putting that money towards a TT bike? A little more info that may not be podcast worthy, but it it helps with this. He says, my only races are triathlons, no crits or road races. So if my only goal was to race, uh, was race results, a TT bike makes more sense for sure. But honestly, I'd rather have a faster road bike to go at it with my friends on group rides as well. So the real question is how much will I be missing if I race triathlons, including a full on a better road bike with clip on arrow bars than if I do it on a TT bike. So, uh, let's just cover Let's just go from there and cover that. So one, and actually let's kind of work backwards and we'll give him our suggestions on what he, we, what we would do if we were in his shoes, but the biggest like low hanging fruit, there's some really big arrow grabs, right? Nate, that like you can make, if you're basically in a situation where you just have like a road bike. And then if you want to get more aerodynamic and position is a huge one, it's all position. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the difference between the bike, especially an aero bike, like the super six, I got that right. Uh, system yeah, six, system Sorry. six. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be that much. Uh, the, the problems with the road bike are sometimes you can't get your seat far enough forward. Um, and you, on this bike, it looks like it has a setback seat post has a substantially setback seat post. Yeah. The system yeah. six, which you may be able to get one. I don't know from a Cannondale dealer, they may have a zero offset or even just less than 30, but I think it's a 30. So it's really, yeah. So you have to look at that and you might even need something that's pushed forward. And when you get these, um, proprietary seat posts, you limit your options. You can't and, flip it on this bike. Yeah. It's cam tailed in or, the back or other bikes. You could just, if the seat post is what, 272, you just buy another one Yep, and you can get one. That's good. But this one you can't. You're just stuck with what it is. <laughs> yes. And then another one would be, um, not for the arrow, like the reach is very, it's a lot harder to adjust or if it, you do adjust it, um, then it's messed up for your road bike. The reason for that is because they have integrated bars and stems too on these oh, bikes. Are these two? Yeah. Oh. The, on the system six. So it'll be out mm. all the, and here's the other thing, like you can't just buy. So let's say you have a hundred millimeter on there, but you want a 110 or 120. You don't just buy the stem bar combo and put that on. You have to then re-cable your bike too, because your cables are all tied in for very specific lengths to mm-hmm. go internally, be internally routed. So like it's it's a it's a hassle. And then with aero bars, you're not going to be able to like an aero road bike. You're not going to be able to put aero bars on those mm-hmm. unless you have a specific brand that they make them for that. And then with that, they're usually not very adjustable. So if you wanted to go the super system six, yeah. um, you would want to get round bars so that you could and like its own. You, you want to get a stem that's zone stem and round bars yep. and then find some arrow bars. And there's a lot of clip-ons that are good that mm-hmm. are adjustable. And some of them too, with that, you can actually go a little bit back. You can shorten the reach, mm-hmm. which also helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's totally possible, but I, I try to figure out what's your position first and then see on that road bike, can I get into it? Yeah. And if that's the case, like personally, the ideal one, I would sell your current bike. I would do the system six because that's going to make you like super fun on the racing with your friends, like which so you say you matter plus in the triathlon, you're not going to really give that much up. Um, you're also going to be on disc brakes for the future, which means even though you say it's the last time five years from now, there'll probably be another time. Yeah. Disc brakes will probably be here. Rim brakes will probably be gone completely. Yeah. It'd be really hard to sell a rim brake bike. Um, and then, uh, you can also share wheels then, which mm-hmm. is really cool between the two. Uh, if you do get another TT bike in the future, but yeah, that's what, that's what I would do and not worry about it. Um, and have a lot of fun. 
he mentions that like he's not he's not planning on qualifying for Kona, and he says that he doesn't mm-hmm. think that he's within that sort of range to be able to do that. So yeah, he's not like he's probably not needing to optimize every detail, right? Yeah, and, and bikes fall so far down the list, anyways. I was yeah. listening to a podcast, um, uh, Nourish Balance Thrive podcast. It was hosted by the guy who wrote the the Brave Athlete, um, mm-hmm. Simon. Uh, I can't remember right now, but anyway, they were interviewing Dave Bailey who is the head of performance for at the time Bahrain Merida and now McLaren or Merida, which is Bahrain Bahrain, McLaren. McLaren. Yeah. (laughs) And he said in order of importance is all about position. He's like, then we look at clothing, you know, being a skin suit. Then we look at helmet, then maybe bike falls into there, but there might be other things that actually trump bike. And and I'm here to tell you, I, my, my early years were spent on a round tube old, my, basically my first road bike with clip on bars and a forward post mm-hmm. and I won my fair share of time trials because my position was good. My clothing was arrow. My helmet was arrow. I've talked about this ad, ad nauseum, but the, I'm, uh, can't get the right position on my TT bike. I'm trying to go laid back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's long story. Just, I'm just trying to go laid back right now and I can't get it. And I might even just use a venge and get that laid back position and then yeah. do it. So I might get a road bike and I've, uh, there's another guy who on the track, he won a national championship. I forget his name. Um, I think he's from FitWorks or he works with them. But mm-hmm. anyways, he went, he couldn't get hit the right position with UCI rules, mm-hmm. big guy. And he did a, I think an S5 Cervelo and so made it into their aero road bike. Yep. And mm-hmm. made it into a TT bike. Yeah. And he won a national championship because the position, like we're probably talking between an aero road bike and a TT bike, maybe five Watts, maybe, yeah. maybe, um, and if you can do anything in your position to save five Watts or, uh, which is a lot easier or yeah. put out more five Watts in power mm-hmm. trumps it right away. Right. And then you yeah. saved like, you know, second drive chain, $5,000, $2,000, maybe 10 if you're trying to get everything. Yep. Yeah. I mean, th- then there's the, also the other option that if you, you know, it's, you do mention, so this definitely, I think isn't the case for, uh, for Bob here, but if somebody else is in this situation and you are like really targeting performance, like you want to qualify for Kona, that sort of stuff, then in that case, I would totally, you know, get the TT bike and then just use your CAD eight. And the reason that yeah. I say that for like your, your group rides, because sure. what I've found anytime I get a new road bike, actually, oh man, this is going to sound like an ad. It's not an ad. We are not paid by specialized, but, um, I wish. yeah, it'd be great. Right. Deep nuggets. Um, we, yeah. we wouldn't do that. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like new bike day, like it always accelerates me for a bit psychologically, hmm. but then fast forward a few weeks and it's still back to the same. It's not like it enabled me to do something that I really couldn't before. There are differences. Like when you get to like breaking is much better when you have disc brakes versus rim brakes, right? Like they're like differences like that. Electronic shifting. And yeah, sure. Electronic shifting is nice, but mechanical shifts just as functionally, right? Like it, it works just the same. So like, uh, it's, it does a TT bike still, still shifts, believe it or not Hydro. with cables. Yeah. I love that stuff. So, um, but it's, so it's all, it's all possible there. I like the Venge is the first bike where I feel like it is like, I can tell that it's a genuine faster bike, but otherwise I get a new bike. I think that it like the entire world has changed. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess yeah, it's good. And I'm still the same person. It still is what it is. So I don't think your cat eight is probably limiting, limiting you on your group rides as, you know, substantially as, as you may think it's probably just, you know, it's just fine. You can so, even go on the cat eight set that one up to be your TT bike, which yeah. he's done with his clip-ons, maybe just optimize that a bit more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're in the right position, yeah, you're, I mean, 
to just get then get your road bike set up for road because it idea. could be you don't want to be changing things all just the time some, right yeah i've done that before and it is such a pain you oh, can probably uh, pick up some rim brake deep section <clears throat> wheels for that bike that would be aero for pretty cheap right you get a, a wheel cover too for your rear wheel sure but like i bet you know people are offloading deep like you know yeah fancy wheels that were that are really aero mm -hmm. they're offloading them these days so you may be able to get some some wheels for a good deal and then you'd earn points back home because then you wouldn't maybe not spend all that money and still do that. I don't know. Anyways, lots of options. You still spend the money just on something else. <laughs> sure. Well, hopefully the wheels don't cost the same as a full bike, right? Yeah. So especially if they're rim brake. Last question from Anne. Uh, she says, longtime listener turned train road user here. Five stars for sure, but six stars when Amber is there. Awesome. Uh, she says, agree. yes. Uh, she says, I'd like your input about a solo training camp of sorts that will be available to me six weeks out for my a race That six weeks. Isn't a bad time frame, right? Chad, usually, no, it can actually be, it's kind of the, the cutoff. Mm -hmm. I think most coaches, myself included use for, for a big camp. Uh, so she mentions and says, which is Ironman, Wisconsin in mid September, six weeks prior, I'm spending a full week at a lake house in Michigan for a family reunion. And I'll have plenty of time to escape and train on some beautiful roads. Don't worry. I'll spend time with my family too. Just knowing myself, I'd probably swim, bike, run way too much if I, le if left to my own devices in such a scenic place with virtually no other responsibilities. So I'd like to get your advice about what would be the most effective use of my time. How much is too much? And six weeks away from my Ironman, is that a good or bad idea? What type of work will do me the most good? And then she gives a bit of history. If it helps, she says, I come from a collegiate swimming background. So she's probably a darn good swimmer, right? Found triathlon three years ago, but definitely enjoy the cycling more than anything else. I've done plenty of sprints and Olympics, 370.3s, and this will be my first full Ironman. My goals for the race are to break an hour on the swim, break six hours on the bike, and then just finish the run. She mentions that she hates running. Right now I'm sitting at 220 watts, uh, 220 watt FTP at 66 kilograms. Though in the height of the summer riding season, I have to get up to about 265 watts and 62 kilograms. So, and she mentions that was pre-chain road. So she's excited to see where she gets to this year. So are we. Uh, yeah, it'll be great. Right. And then, um, she also mentions, and this is important here. She says, I'm considering converting after this season to pure cycling from triathlon. So if you have any advice about making that transition, I'd love to hear those thoughts too. Is there anything I should do or keep in mind during this Ironman training season to make the transition as smooth as possible, like not getting injured running? Thanks for your help. Yeah, let's address that first. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. first off, stay the course. D don't even don't even see past this Ironman. Yep. Yeah, like don't start, uh, don't compromise your training now to become a better cyclist later. Yeah, yeah. You got You'll it. have plenty of time to be able to shift that over. Yeah. And it'll take care of itself. And everything you do now that benefits your bike in on the Ironman is going to translate to what you do later with cycling. And recently we've talked about, and I can't think of the episode numbers right now, but in two episodes over the past three or four months, we've talked about triathletes going into cycling and like advice and like tips and everything else and how to like use your strengths. Um, so I'd recommend checking out those episodes that we can find there. And if we can find them, we'll throw them in, in episode 248 in the forum. So training camp time, uh, for her, we've not talked about training camps for multi-sport athletes mm -hmm. to this degree. Um, so six weeks out commonly accepted cutoff, like you point, like you pointed out, uh, what should she do to make the most of her time? It sounds like she's got what access to awesome riding, mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of where I'd steer her anyway, considering she's got a strong swim background. Mm -hmm. Um, if she's planning to go sub an hour and uh, sounds like she's got the background to already make that happen. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd worry hardly at all about swimming over, over the course of this. What, how long did she say it was? Uh, the, over the, the camp, 
the camp is going to be a week long, six okay. day. Yeah. It's over a week long. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even worry about swimming. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you don't like running. My guess then is that you're probably not very good at running, which mm-hmm. maybe also means that your running volume isn't very high. Yeah. Now is not the time to jack up your running volume. Yeah. So really any running volume you do, and I would recommend doing this maybe two or three times over the course of this week, do a short run off the bike, mm-hmm. no matter how hard your ride is. Um, especially if you do something that's more akin to race pace, just do even a one K or two K run off the bike, just to familiarize yourself further with what it feels like to carry heavy legs into the op- opening of a, well, in this case, a marathon. It's less about heaping on running volume, especially when we're talking about being this close, yeah. that's not the goal. Um, but it's just to give you a little bit of, t- of, uh, it's just to aid that transition that you'll be making in the race yeah. and familiarize yourself with it a bit more. And, and probably you can use the recovery from running anyways. If you're, again, if you don't like running, I'm guessing there's something, there's a reason why you don't like running. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a week break from running, just focusing on riding and, and dosing it with just a tiny bit of running with those runs off the bike is probably going to be a beneficial thing. And really anything that benefits your cycling, makes you a little faster cyclist is probably going to translate in some favorable way to your run. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. So this is kind of like close to the event. Now, what if you are further out? And and I guess it actually, let me just kind of recap on that. If you're close to the event, it's not the time to work on your weaknesses, right? Um, Because, you know, coming in. Certainly not. There's not much you're going to accomplish over the final six weeks. Yeah. Especially considering one of those weeks, maybe two of them are probably going to be tapers. But if you're farther out from the event, I don't know, let's say three months or Mm -hmm. more, something like that. That's that's the time where I would actually dedicate a camp to work on weaknesses. I Mm -hmm. mean, if her swim's already strong and maybe her bike's already strong, maybe this is the time that you do a volume camp for running. Mm -hmm. Even then, it's, it's still tricky, tricky territory considering how easy it is to get injured as a runner. Yeah. Yeah. Any other tips that you'd have for multi-sport athletes on a camp? Nate, you are, I mean, Chad, you've done duathlon too, but Nate, you, you did triathlon for a while. I know. <laughs> are you looking forward to the Ironman? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Chad, are you looking forward to when we do that? No way. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I just, it's just not on my radar yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just head down, not focused on it. Yeah. yeah right now it's, I'm looking at time trial national or, you know, masters if, nationals. If you, let's say you do a sub 50 K TT in your life yeah. before Ironman. Yeah. That mm-hmm. means you're going to be a screaming bike Probably. split. It's such a, unless you drown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the swimming's, swimming's coming together. So Ooh. just the, the, the infrastructure to become a good oh. swimmer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I am a lap. Yeah. One step at a time. I was like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. yeah. No, don't worry about so that. So he's just finding the right place to swim. That's what he means. Yeah. He's coming There's together. a pool that I know of. <laughs> it's filling up with water. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm getting an endless pool. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Nice. That'll so, be cool. So. Uh, let's go into some live questions that people have submitted via YouTube uh, and also from the forum. Uh, first one is, could you guys talk about us weekend warriors? I can only work out three days over the weekends. This season, I've been doing the Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday workouts from the mid volume plans, and it's been working quite well, but I'm wondering if I could do something better. So, I mean, just what everyone thinks for all time. (laughs) This is like a curse. Yeah. 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 What do you mean by that? Nate, you can go into more detail. I've been doing something. It's been working really well. But what if I changed it? <laughs> Could I do something even better? Ain't that the truth, right? And this Fast is like, forward, and then we find ourselves. <laughs> this is this. I don't know. This is endless. Um, I love everybody, but there's some in the in our own forum too. This happens a lot. I've been doing this, had really good results, but what if I change my whole methodology of training and try something else? Yeah. That could be even. And we don't know. Mm. And the part 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 is it, it it takes a long time. Yeah. There is maybe you, you do something drastic, but. I think, uh, Chad, I don't see what your opinion, but small change, changes in volume should be happening small in small steps and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm understanding the question right. Is this person cramming all three workouts into the weekend? Yep. Yes. And also mm. f- taking them from the Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday from the mid-volume plan. So my, my recommendation would be to follow the low-volume plan. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing three intense ones like that, and you're, or if you have three days to work out a week, I would follow the low-volume plan. Don't cherry-pick workouts from the yeah. mid because that mid-volume plan anticipates that you're you know, progressing through and following. Yeah, but because and, and it's back to back, it's doing it's like back. a little bit longer Tuesday than low volume, then aerobic day, and then a little bit longer Saturday. Sure. So if it did just the low volume, it would be shorter each day and then more intense on Wednesday or the Saturday. Yeah. I, I, I mean, two different options. It's not, it's not yeah. like, you know, yeah. one's disqualified that personally I would follow the low volume plan. So then if you did have any extra time, you know, you, you could bring it in. I'm not even concerned with the volume so much as jamming your workouts into two days and then having no stimulus outside of that for five days. There's no, I mean, this is just, if that's that's what you, if that's what you've got, that's what you've got. Um, but the fact that that Wednesday workout is kind of a lower intensity workout and you can put that on the heels of your higher intensity Tuesday workout, Mm -hmm. that's not the worst thing. And then the following day is kind of a longer workout. Mm -hmm. It's just. Yeah, I mean, if this is the, the the cards you've been dealt and you only have those two days to make it happen, this is certainly viable. And I'm not sure there's a heck of a lot of room for improvement there. This sounds like the situation where somebody works like four tens yeah. or they work yeah. something. Yeah. So, so then they have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, or Sunday, Monday. More extreme than that. I, I'd also be worried about how much fatigue you carry into Monday and you know what what your your the, job is. But again, <laughs> this isn't pilot, that much. Don't though. worry about it. Yeah, there are your pilots. <laughs> no, I mean it's not. No, this you're is right. less it's than not. the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday block in a high sure. volume plan. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, but, so, it, but I, but I will say this will not be as, as effective as if you can spread these workouts oh, out, yeah. work, recover, work, recover, sort of, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the adaptive process, you're going to see most of it probably in the early week. And then the latter part of the week is just to be just going to consist of kind of a detraining process. And then you're going to head back into it with geez, maybe a, a, a slight increase in your performance. And, but I don't know if it's been working for you, maybe this, uh, there this are, a, there are limits that you can't just like, uh, like it, it if you're in, if this is your schedule, like you will be bound by limits of that schedule. Yeah. It just is what it is. Well, and what you're doing isn't a bad approach. No. And, and honestly, maybe there is, maybe if you're, if this is working quite well for you and you want to see if you can handle more, that's what I would prescribe more work, make this training stimulus, a bigger training stimulus, considering you have five days to bounce back from it. Yeah. You might get a, a greater return on it. You might also run yourself into the ground. So I'd be careful with it. I'm a stacker myself. I, I'm Monday through Friday. Where sure. And then, and then a two day off, not a five day off. We will. Um, <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough situation to be in. I've had to get used to that though. It's uh, it's worth saying, like I've had to get used to I, you know, if rewind three years and I probably wouldn't have been able to, or four years, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had to get used to it. Everyone. So if you're, if it's working now, that's great. Everyone will hits a point where whatever the training stress they're doing is not enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to raise wattages or, um, you'll also get to a point where that won't be, you won't have enough volume in order to do it. You mm-hmm. can't just raise wattage can't forever. Just, no. Yeah. And so if it's working for you now, that's great. You can stack more volume inside of those days to an extent until you can't, and you'll have to figure that out. We don't know how much you'll be able to take, yeah. um, but everyone, everyone hits this or else we would have 12,000 watt FTPs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They'd be training, to, I don't know, how many hours, 24 hours a day. Yeah. That'd be crazy. So, I mean, if you're still seeing increases in uh, fitness, you know, probably measured via FTP, but maybe other, other ways, then 
stay this course for a while and then decide what needs to be modified later. But if you haven't plateaued yet, maybe this is, this is sufficient. Yeah. This next one uh, says, which gets the most from a workout when you're cooked? And we have actually covered this pretty recently and, and a handful many times on the podcast, but reduce the overall intensity and finish as normal or add more rest between intervals and continue at a hundred percent provided there are breaks. So, uh, like kind of recapping the, the intent of what we do with interval training is to have you spend specific amounts of time at specific intensities because specific things happen at your body or in your body at those intensities. Right. So that's the whole point behind it. So if you, if you can, we usually talk about like the whole cascade that you can follow, or if you can't hang in, in an interval backpedal and, and, you know, take a few second break and then jump back into it and see what you can do. Uh, you'll be surprised at how effective those can be. Yeah. But if, I mean, for instance, the comparison between sweet spot intervals and VO two max intervals with VO two max intervals, we're trying to challenge particular fibers that are only going to get hit at specific intensities, trying to wind up the cardio system and your heart and your lungs and, mm-hmm. and your, 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 your breathing is probably a better way to put that to a certain point, all things that change if you diminish the, or if you dial down the intensity too far. So mm-hmm. if you can't achieve these things and you're not achieving the intentions of the workout, but with something like sweet spot where just taking a one minute break over the course of a 10 minute muscle endurance interval is still going to mean nine minutes of muscle endurance work. Yep. Then, then that's so, so kind of with the, the longer steadier state sub threshold stuff, short breaks with the higher intensity stuff, short breaks can still apply, but typically dial the intensity down, but don't dial it so far down that you end up missing the point of the workout. Yep. Cool. Uh, let's just get into a couple more, which we answered one, uh, or, uh, another one about collagen. I don't know if we'll have the answer here, but I'm getting ACL reconstruction surgery, bone patella bone graft, uh, next Tuesday would collagen supplementation speed recovery as well, uh, as an Olympic distance triathlon in, in July realistic. Uh, according to Keith Barrett, absolutely would. So this is something I would speak to your osteo about for sure. Mm-hmm. As far as the timing, what month are we in February to July? Yeah. That might be realistic. I'm, I'm not one to say that, that again, be a question for your physician. Yeah. But I do know, you know, based on the the research that I cited today, this is absolutely realistic. When I had my broken collarbone, I healed slowly. Mm-hmm. And even the doctor was like, well, you're healing slowly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even eating, anything. sleeping, stress. Well, no, no. In that list of oh, collagen, I, gotcha. I had none of those. Uh, I don't know if it's related. Yeah. It was just my whole well, if the materials aren't there, it's really hard to, to build yeah. using them. Yes. True story. Uh, Brian says, uh, for three minute VO two max intervals, is it better to maintain the power target power target and have my RPMs drop from 85 to 75? He mentions the ergmo gr- tends to grind down his cadence or maintain 90 RPM plus and have the power drop of the podcast. So this sounds like a situation where you could probably take your trainer and flip it out of erg mode and do something else. And it's, it's still difficult for them to probably maintain if they hold their 90 RPM. Yeah. Uh, I think if erg, erg mode's causing it, I would switch out of erg mode and see if I can keep my cadence a little yeah. higher. I, yeah. You should be able to do 90 yes. RPM at your VO2 max interval. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, Some, that's not a ridiculously high, unless you're coming from maybe you're a new rider and riding at 80 RPM yeah. is a tall order, mm-hmm. then 90 RPM is going to be going to be what it is. It's going to be difficult and perhaps out of reach right now. So maybe you just make, make, uh, make yourself good with 80 RPMs for a little while and gradually tow that up over time. What I've, so I mean, some trainers do have, they feel like they kind of try to drag you down more than others for sure. So mm-hmm. that, that definitely exists. But I also find that when I'm not fit, that problem seems very persistent. <laughs> and then when I'm, when I'm more fit, 
yeah. or, you know, I'm more used to that, then it doesn't seem as persistent. <clears throat> yeah. Be realistic. I mean, is this just a matter of fatigue dragging your cadence down or is it the trainer? Yeah. Cause a lot of the times it's, it's the former good well, way to figure it out is put it in like resistance slope standard mode, mm -hmm. the get out of erg and just see how it goes. It. Then you'll see like, you're like, Oh, I'm dropping my cadence myself. Yeah. Pick it back up. Yep. Pick it back up. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, that would be the way to do it. And and as far as the root of the question, is it better to maintain the power target, just you know, regardless of cadence, as long as that cadence isn't hurting you. Yeah. If like seventy five RPM is manageable, he says that's what he gets drugged down to here. Yeah. Then that's fine if it's manageable. Yeah, but, that becomes a really muscular activity at, at wattages that high, so that might shift things in an unfavorable way. I, I wouldn't. I'm not super okay with the seventy five RPM, mm -hmm. especially if a two or three watt percent decrease can keep you closer to eighty five or ninety. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why people do that. It seems like it's harder at the higher wattages to go at a lower cadence. It is, at least in, totally uh, especially with like erg mode trainers that I've used, it does yeah. seem harder. Because it's like, like you said, it's way more muscular. Mm -hmm. So one um, thing that I've noticed is that on many times with mountain biking, the longer, steeper climbs, I'm kind of drugged down to, you know, 85 RPM. And a lot of the time it's because the surface is variable. If I'm spinning at a hundred, it's a lot harder to be able to maintain consistent traction. Yeah. You just have a lot more going on. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being capable in lower cadences uh -huh. at holding higher wattages, but that's to not, that point. Yeah. Yep. It may be intentional that you're <laughs> trying to do that to prepare yourself for some demand on race sure. day. I mean, if the, if that's all about the training specificity, that's one thing, but this is something else. That is a crazy climb on mountain bike, a VO two max interval at 75 cadence, <laughs> like a two minute climb at 75, whatever your gearing is. <laughs> yeah, you Eagle. Thinking of that, <laughs> thinking of that climb in single track six that we did, I think it took an hour and 15 minutes. But that wouldn't be at VO2 max power. Uh, no, because I genuinely was not even capable. Yeah, it was That's what so I mean. steep. Like it's got to be yeah. 400 yeah. watts at what? Yeah. 3250. Sure. Yeah. Crazy. It'd be tough, right? That's a steep, steep climb. That's a steep climb. <laughs> <laughs> and they exist. They absolutely do. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the podcast, episode 248. Once again, you can search the forum for that. Uh, Chad just took his hoppy gel right off the table. Don't here. forget this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can check out all the links that we mentioned and everything else. Join the conversation over there. You should head over to forum.trainerroad.com because there are a ton of like-minded cyclists like you. You can ask your, your questions at trainerroad.com slash podcast. And you can also just ask them on the forum because there'll be a bunch of people that'll be happy to answer them there. If you're watching this video, remember, give it a thumbs up, comment down below to let us know uh, what we would, what you wanted us to answer, but maybe we didn't. And then we'll uh, try to put it into the next episode and head over to trainerroad.com to get faster. We'll talk to you all next week. See ya. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.